Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Top open three on its way. Go! Miller Kopp buries his first three-pointer of the day. And Indiana jumps the lead back up to 12. Caleb Banks comes up with the loose ball, throws it up and in. Caleb Banks with an acrobatic play. What a day for Indiana. Eight on the shot clock, lost the handle, got it back. We're in trouble. But Shafino drives it to the right. Down low he goes, throws it up, got it! Wow! What a shot! So he's got to stand statuary. Grace can't move. Oh, he does move. Apparently you can't. They throw it up port to Hood Shapito. He takes it all the way. Slams it home. Two seconds to go. Indiana's going to win it. Gillis inbounds to Braden Smith. Ball game. Indiana wins. 79-74. The Hoosiers knock off the number one ranked team of the country, the Purdue Boilermakers. Sure, now you radio network. The legend himself gets honored at halftime, and the basketball team he's called games for for 50 years responds with a pretty legendary evening inside of Assembly Hall. Good Monday morning to you, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton, and Jake Query. Miller Cop going to join us at 9 30. We'll have Bob Kravitz kind of turned into a weekly segment with Bob at 9 o'clock. A whole lot to get to, a little bit of breaking news from Bob with quite the story. Uh, we can chat about at 9. Uh, but, Jake, I, I think that was one for... I, I guess you didn't get the final second drama that we had last year in Bloomington, uh, but that'll be one I think both sides remember for quite some time. I had a feeling that just the way the week was shaping up, that Indiana, it was going to be a good Saturday for them. Um, and if you really look at numbers, tea leaves, precedent, it might not have been an altogether bad day for Purdue. Sometimes I, I think it's teams kind of need a reset. I'm not saying Purdue was in that situation. But the question I had for Purdue going in was really, you know, can't you knew that Zach Eady was going to – what did we talk about last week? And we actually said Purdue was the team that had the higher number of players to choose from as auxiliary scores if their main guy was not executing. Zach Eady was. I mean, a, an unbelievable performance by him. But when you really look at it, you know it was in the, it was elsewhere where Purdue just didn't get the scoring. Yeah, the freshman five needed. of twenty. Yeah, yeah. Braden um, Smith, Fletcher, Lawyer, and I thought Jalen Hutchinson late. Jake, I mean, if you would have told Mike Woodson before the game, Trace Jackson Davis is not going to score a bucket for you in the final ten minutes of the game, probably wouldn't have made Mike Woodson sleep very well. Right. The night before, and yet. When things got a little bit leaky there late, Hood Shafino made play after play, and Indiana scores 79. Purdue hadn't given up more than 70 all season. And I just thought he, along with when Trey Galloway was asked to play a little point, you know, they, they quarterbacked things pretty well in an environment of a lifetime. So unbelievable by the two big guys, to your point, Jake. I mean, Edie 33 and 18. I mean, Trey still had a tremendous game, even without scoring. A lot late, but we'll play some Matt, Matt Painter audio coming up, and I think he will immediately point to the turnover number. 16 of them, 11 in the first half. 
that's how IU scored 50. I had said before the game, I'm going to pat myself on the back. I know that's shocking. Said before the game, I thought Indiana would win by five. I thought Purdue will win in Mackey by 15. Ooh. So halfway there, right? You could win a lot of money. You take Purdue alternate line, 15. That's right. But um, To your point, though, I, I don't think I walk out of Saturday and think any differently about Purdue than I did correct. going into it. Here's the good news for Purdue. That is the fourth time in Assembly Hall history that a number one ranked team has come in and lost. Do you know what the previous three have in common, Kevin? Ooh, I previous two went to the final four. Uh, all three, right? All three. So it, Michigan in twenty thirteen, Kentucky yep. in twenty eleven. Michigan, the other? Michigan State two thousand two thousand went to the national championship game. All three of them. All three of them also featured the national player of the year. Wow, that's a so, wild stat. So that's good news for Purdue. That is very good news. Because it is entirely possible that Purdue goes to the national championship game and Zach Eady is the national player of the year. Uh, but it was a great atmosphere, great atmosphere, great game. Uh, exactly what you wanted, right? I mean, you wanted a, a fun day of college basketball in Bloomington, and that's what you got. Two weeks from Saturday, the rematch will be in Mackey. It's a quick turnaround for Indiana Rutgers tomorrow, and all of a sudden, that's for like the second-best team in the Big Ten. I mean, the Big Ten continues to be so jumbled right behind Purdue. So it'll be a 6.30 tip from Assembly Hall tomorrow. Purdue back in action hosting Iowa coming up on Thursday. Uh, you got to meet one of your idols last night? Oh, Kevin. Tiger Woods to me? Kevin, let me tell you something. I went to the Pacer game last night. So Pacers security kind of had to hold you back. Hosting Cleveland. Like. I went crazy. They it, it was Boomer's birthday, and so they had... Let's see the whatever the Miami Heat fella is. He looks kind of like the Philly fanatic. Mark would know all these now oh, because he's I'm an expert, expert after yeah. after the weekend. Yeah, is Rocky in the mascot Hall of Fame? I believe he is. Yeah, I mean if he's not, it's then it's not even worth. Then going it doesn't up there. count, right? So they had the the Phoenix Gorilla was there, the Blazer fella, whatever he is, uh, which kind of looked like a Rocky knockoff, and the Mad Ant was there, but Rocky from the Denver Nuggets was there. He's got to be in high demand to go to birthday parties. They, they all, let me tell you something. Those mascots all came out, walked around, kissed a few babies, waved. Rocky took it to a whole nother level. The rest of them went back to the mascot cave. Rocky was, he, he did an entire lap around the field house on seats, climbing on seats. Uh, he taunted the visiting team. He, he came over and Jeremiah Johnson took a picture of me with him. And then he accused me of being a brown noser. He's... He is the greatest mascot going, Rocky of the Denver Nuggets. And he's got a lightning bolt tail. And he was the highlight of the night, right? Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, he could have probably, they could have used him last night if he has any sort of an outside shot. Yeah, Pacers get rolled by Cleveland. They split this weekend. Did beat Sacramento. Uh, Held on to beat the Kings on Friday night. uh, But not a good effort yesterday. And I think it's notable because you don't play again until Wednesday night. That's in Miami. 7.30 tip for Indiana. And Jake, that's the last game between now and Thursday's trade deadline. So how does Indiana react? Because you got to think over the next really 72 hours, that's when you're going to make your decisions on what you do for the trade deadline, if you do anything. And yes, Halliburton has missed so much time, but you've lost 12 of 14. You aren't in some great playoff position by any means. Uh, very interested to see how Indiana reacts. To I think they kind of stay put. I mean, they're, the deadline. you know, there's all, here's the thing. 
with the Pacers, if you look at the fact that they have three first-rounders this year, I think they're looking to flip maybe one of those towards first-rounders later. Like, they don't need three this year, per se. Maybe they look at a couple of guys that are auxiliary pieces that you can throw in to sweeten something up to, to move and just kind of stash away assets. But I think that they feel like they're in pretty good shape right now in terms of who they have. They're, they're, they're guys they're going to run with. They've got a pretty good idea who those guys are. Do you know one thing that made me uncomfortable over the weekend with the Pacers? It wasn't anything boomer birthday party related. It was not. Um, and, and I fully anticipate that when I say this, people are going to, going to roll their eyes, hate me, send me nasty messages. I get it. And take it with the level of which I'm saying it. It's not a huge thing, but it's there, okay? When Paul George came to the Indiana Pacers, he was thought, it was like, this guy is going to be the franchise. And then he went out on Jimmy Kimmel, and he he looked like an idiot the way he was dressed, and everybody was like, what is he wearing? And he's like, oh, my, my sister, I've hired her to be my fashion consultant, and I'm, I'm going to change my number to PG-13 for the brand, you know, the PG brand. And I, I thought, here we go. Here we go. When Ron Artest was a Pacer, we know what happened with the brawl, but Ron Artest took time away because he was a music producer, and he wanted to take time off to produce his albums and – he held out for a little bit at one point and demanded a trade because it was interfering with his musical career. And I thought, here we go. Victor Oladipo, wonderful player, great talent, based in terms of his blossoming as a college player in the state of Indiana, becomes a pacer, admired his way through the first couple of years in the NBA with different franchises, comes here and absolutely develops and fans love him. And then he's like, you know what? I'm going to be on The Masked Singer and I'm going to start doing more of my album stuff. It's like, here we go. Tyrese Halliburton seems to have none of that and is a tremendous talent, a young player that the entire team likes, and he is 99.9999%. I am certain that he is going to be the guy. But now he's promoting his fashion line, and it makes 0.1% of me go, I hope not. I'm not saying I hope he's not doing a fashion line, but... There is, I have always been, look at John Morant, who we're going to talk to Bob Kravitz about John Morant later in the program. John Morant's a, just an absolutely brilliant player, one of the best in the league. But John Morant's a guy that, that eight years ago was an unknown. Tyrese Halliburton, to an extent, eight years ago, and you know he, this was not a guy that was coming out as a five-star top five recruit going to Kentucky and his decision was made on ESPN, etc., I just think sometimes you have to be cautious of how the taste of it changes the avenue in which guys are moving. That's all. Yeah, I, I don't – I mean, guys want to have off-the-court interest. I've got no I, issue. I'm not saying that. I'm, I totally agree. With I'm just it. saying there is a precedent where you have to – where you raise an eyebrow. That's it. Yeah, I mean, scar tissue, I'm sure, is pretty prevalent. In that, um, again, I think Tyrese Halliburton is wired a little differently than the previous guys. And I'm not saying that you're doing this, Jake, but I just don't think we group all of them. Oh, they all like fashion, so that means they're all going to leave at the drop of a hat. Right. I'm not I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying the, the precedent is not necessarily – the precedent is such that you would understand if Indiana's, like, uncomfortable. That's all. Yeah. 
I get the vibe that Halliburton, again, is a little bit different family background, a little bit different Midwest guy. Um, sure. You know, we'll see. There will become a point in time that probably two things. If you don't build a championship-level team around him, then that's going to give him some reason to have pause. Um, and that's why I do look at the trade deadline on Thursday and think, you know, while it's very unlikely you add that sort of piece by Thursday, I do think you have the ability to continue to help yourself in getting another piece because it's very apparent that while this season has been really promising, you need another major piece, um, especially on the defensive end of the floor because with Miles Turner, this is a team that still is terrible on that end. And for having this world-class rim protector, you should be a lot better. And yesterday, again, with Turner in the lineup, scoring very well, you give up over 120. And really, Cleveland, both teams threw up the white flag late in that one. Again, Bob Kravitz going to join us at 9, Miller Cop at 9.30. It is Super Bowl week, which typically means the NFL would appreciate if teams that do have head coach openings Kind of hit the back burner on making any announcements on that. I did feel like the interesting note you saw yesterday was Jero Evero, a candidate for the head coaching gig, is joining Frank Reich's staff in Carolina. Um, two things stood out to me on that, Jake. One, kudos to the Panthers. They interviewed both Evero and Frank Reich for their head coach, and they got both of them to be on their staff. That is something that I wanted to see the Colts try and do. It's when you're interviewing this list of candidates, sure, they all would love to be your head coach, but you also have some coordinator spots that are open. Could you build, you know, multiple spots for these guys? And that's what the Panthers were able to do with that. The other is you would assume Evero got word from the Colts that they were not going to hire him. Like, why would you take the defensive coordinator job if you still thought you had a chance to be the head coach in Indianapolis. So does that mean the Colts are starting to tell their second interview candidates that we're moving in a different direction? The the other question is, is it possible that he just thought, you know what, I, I got a bad vibe there. I mean, I would think that you yeah, overcome he, bad vibes for a head coach. He was job, a right? finalist in Arizona too. So I, I you know, did he get word that Arizona reportedly Arizona's got three different finalists? So I guess, you know, are we to a point now where of the eight people that were interviewed for a second time, some of these people are starting to get word that they're going in a different direction? You know the guy that, so yesterday I went, this is what happens, you guys have this to look forward to when you turn 50. I went yesterday and got my shingles vaccine. Oh, nice. And I said, well, I had chicken pox as a kid, how critical is the shingles vaccine? And my doctor said, well, um... At 50, it's highly recommended if you had chicken pox because it lies dormant and it basically it feels like small, like burning nerves in your body. And then I talked to a buddy of mine who said, yeah, he got shingles in his eye and he said, it kind of felt like razor blades scraping my eyeball anytime I moved my eye. Hmm. Uh, and then I had the risk of going blind, and I said, yeah, I think I'll get the shingles vaccine. Yeah, it's like me at Friday at 9 o'clock every week. But it's... <laughs> So it's it's a two dose vaccination. So I, I I got round one yesterday. All was good. Went to the Pacer game, no problems. Went to bed last night, and then uh, somebody for whatever reason inside my bedroom dropped the temperature to fifteen degrees below zero and took all the blankets off my bed. And then I started having weird dreams, and I had a weird dream, and the dream was that the Colts had made a coaching hire. Oh wow! Did we get a name? Yep, they made a selection. 
Do we have the ESPN ticker mark? Of course, I don't have headsets. I can't tell if you're Yeah, talking. I was going to say, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, let me pull it up. You want so, the NBA draft sound? Sure, that's fine. Sure. Give Is that breaking news? Yes. You're, and then once once I say it, Kevin, I want you to tell me how wacky the meds had me, okay? If I was wacky on the junk, if you think it's possible. Do we have it? Uh, Mark just played, played it. it. Okay. I, these Clearly your headset is not working. So it's not working. Um, with the Colts head coaching selection. With the 13th pick. In Jake Quarry's shingles vaccination induced dream, the Indianapolis Colts select Aaron Glenn, defensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions. I had a dream last night. He was the guy. Your you know, thoughts? I, I heard that Aaron Glenn, um, the interview went well, and that the Colts are intrigued. Um, you know, I think I mentioned this on Thursday or Friday. Aaron Glenn's resume is a little bit Mike Vrabel like. Um, it's a unique resume in the fact that he was a great player. He actually was an NFL scout at one point, and then has worked his way up through the coaching ranks. Um, you know, the name that right now. Is the favorite in Vegas? Did you see this over the night? I did. Talk about a game show, right? Odds have shifted big time in the favorite category for one Wink Martindale. Does that surprise you? Plus seven hundred odds as of ten a.m. by five p.m. last night, he was minus one fifty. Jeff Saturday dropped from minus one seventy to plus three hundred. The debate that I think. I've said to you, Jake, and I've tried to ask ask our Colts guests when we've had them on over the past you know, seven to ten days, what do you think Chris Boward and Jim Irsay want more of? Do they want more offensive mind or do they want more leader? And again, we make fun of the word leader. We make fun of leader of men, all of that. But Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard eat it up. And the Wink Martindale sort of higher, it screams Bruce Arians' personality. And the Colts were obsessed with Bruce the Arians. Other side of the ball. They, yes, other side of the ball, which is certainly a question that you would have. But they loved Bruce Arians. Loved him. Bowed and Ursay. And as I've said, really the only reason I think Jeff Saturday's even around is because of that leadership element. So that's where a guy like Martindale would fall into line. I think Aaron Glenn in a different way has a little bit of that. You talk to people around the Lions organization, they say blunt, they say aggressive. That certainly would be words I would use to describe Arians. Um, So, as much as the offensive trend is so apparent in today's NFL, I could totally see the Colts going leader over that. Does it bother you, and this is the case with a lot of these candidates, so don't get me wrong, but does it bother you that he's never been a head coach? Yeah, I mean, pretty much like you said, everybody on the list there. I, I'm not like gung-ho that you need to have experience. I think it can be used as a positive. I think in Raheem Morris's case, he's the only one, right? That's still around that has head coaching experience. I yeah, guess I mean, Jeff Saturday would, would qualify as that. You think but, he's still in the mix? Uh, I do not think Jeff Saturday will be hired. You don't think he's in the mix? I mean, it's Ursa. He could wake up tomorrow and have the same thing you had last night and say, I want to hire <laughs> Jeff Saturday. So, there, there's my guy. Had the shingles. Now, if they want to talk to Shane Steichen again, the Eagles OC, 
that's off limits now. It's Super Bowl week. So Shane Steichen, Eric Bieniemy, you cannot speak with them until Monday, February 13th, one week from today, if you want to. So unless the Colts, I, I, I should say there's no like official NFL rule that says, don't make these announcements during Super Bowl week. But I think the NFL just tries to have teams not do that. I mean, Jake, there's a good chance we show up here next Monday and we'll still be doing the same song and dance. I mean, at this point, they're not competing against anybody really, right? Just Arizona. Arizona, I guess. But um, And Arizona's three finalists. I've never been to Arizona. I've never been to Arizona. Brian Flores. Uh, that's my Bob Ursay, by the way. Mike Kafka. And uh, the Bengals, D.C. Lou, his last name, I always struggle. I would like to see Brian Flores get a job somewhere. I, I thought he did a good job yeah, in I Miami. I thought he should have got interviewed here. Yeah. I don't know why. Interviewed everybody else under the moon, might as well. <laughs> Interview Brian Flores. But if you look at that list, they've told Brian Callahan no. Arizona. So if, you know, competing interest, those three finalists for Arizona, they don't appear to match up with anything on the Colts list. Everybody else under the moon, Mark. Yeah. That's literally everyone, right? Aren't we all under the moon? A lot of people. Yeah. Okay. Uh, are you concerned, by the way, that you're going to lose out on your pacer bet? I just need five, right? Friday was important for me. Will I get there before March? You have to get to 30, right? Get to 30. Here's the pacer schedule. Stop me when you hear a win. You ready? At Miami, Phoenix at home. At Washington. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they get one of those two. Okay. Utah at home. Chicago at home. Yeah, definitely one of those two. Ooh, okay. Boston at home. At Orlando. At Dallas. At San Antonio. Yeah, at Orlando, at Dallas, one of those two. Okay, at San Antonio? Or uh, out of those three, I think they get two of them. Okay, at Chicago. Kyrie will have demanded another trade by that point. Philadelphia at home. Houston at home. Yes. Okay, so that gets you the celebration on March 9th. Let's go. A pre-St. Patrick's Day week party for us. <laughs> and right after that, it's back-to-backs against the Pistons. I mean, yeah. there, there's still a lot of games left, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, what do we got, got 27 less, games left. Yeah, less than 30. They got to go 5-22, and 22, but they're 2-12 and 12 in their last 14. Can you imagine it's like April 1st, and here they are still needing one more. <laughs> Benching everybody. Full-on tank mode. I thought going back to Indiana Purdue for a second, Jake. I thought um, a big sequence kind of early in that game. Purdue had two seconds on the shot clock. Do you remember this? They had to like go like almost the length of the floor. They throw it to Zach Eady, and he gets called for a foul. Right, it was, it was, I do. Yep, it was his first foul. You don't really think anything of it, but Matt Painter's a guy that frequently takes out the big like right after that first foul, and Eady goes to the bench. And all of a sudden, it's the first time Purdue has not had the guy they throw the ball into every single play down the floor in the game. And I think it was 12-10 at that point. And Indiana scores, I want to say it was like a quick five points. And now Purdue's putting Edie back in the game. But now IU's up seven. The crowd is fully into it. And Purdue had just had a couple like shaky possessions there of turnovers. And I just thought that was that initial jolt where like there was a little bit of separation Again, Edie wasn't on the bench for too long, but I bet if you go back and look at the minutes when Edie was on the bench versus when Trace Jackson Davis was on the bench, 
I just thought Indiana, surprisingly to me, handled those minutes much, much better than it Purdue did. handled. I just thought it took Purdue too long to get Edie involved. Once he did, it was like, holy cow. Don Fisher even at one point said, holy cow, this guy's unbelievable. So, yeah, he. I mean, he was automatic. I mean, the start of the second half, he was incredible getting them back into the game. But I yeah. thought that was kind of a big sequence. And, again, that was a part of, I think Indiana ended up going on a 10-0 run at that point, and Purdue had 11 first half turnovers which you know there were moments certainly late where they cut to whatever two and three and they had some chances with the ball but you can't give up 50 in the first half and expect to win i'm gonna make one comment here since we're up against it it's kind of like the friday news dump where they you know release something at five o'clock on friday so you don't have to answer to it um simply i will say this for purdue fans I tip my cap to you, and for Indiana fans, stop and think about it. I got no problem with it. College kids are going to be college kids. I totally get it. However, the narrative that has gone on for a very, 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 very long time for multi-generations that Purdue is Indiana's little brother, you can no longer say that the school's your little brother if they're the reason you're storming the court. If they're good enough that you consider yourself a, if it's a, if you storm the court. I would storm after every win. I, I get it. College kids going to be college kids. I get it. But you storm the court. Then that is the there is no ultimate the two greatest compliments that are unintentional are storming the court after beating a team or chanting that they're overrated. I think it's um I think it's hilarious how much the storming of the court storyline happens after a game when imagine the kids that lead the stork the court storming. It's like a 21-year-old kid that had just ripped six shots at Sakilroy's an hour before yeah, tip-off. no question. And he runs out there first, and everybody else runs out there afterwards. It's not like the 30-year season ticket holder for Correct. Bedford well, that's up in sec- don't kid section yourself. 16. Yeah, that guy's actually at Kilroy's afterwards, right? He's Jake Corey. I'm Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton across the way. Bob Kravitz at 9. Miller Cup at 9.30. A little bit of a warmer start to this Monday. I think this week, temperatures are supposed to be at least decent compared to what we have last week. Uh, so good Monday morning to you. Thanks for tuning in. Kevin and Corey, 93.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. We'll begin with last night's NBA news. Of course, the news coming out during the afternoon that Kyrie Irving is on his way to the Dallas Mavericks hooking up with Luka Doncic in exchange for Spencer Dinwiddie multiple picks but Irving we'll see how that works between Irving and Luka in Dallas but the Pacers then last night went to the uh, took to the court 122-103 losers to the Cleveland Cavaliers Darius Garland looked really good 24 points last night Donovan Mitchell had 19 miles Turner leads Indiana with 27 and 10. That is the end of a homestand for the Pacers. They are on the road in Miami coming up on Wednesday. Yeah, one game to go until the trade deadline, five to go until the All-Star break. The big one from this weekend in Bloomington, 79-74, number one goes down. The Indiana Hoosiers defeat the Purdue Boilermakers. It's a big first half from Indiana. They scored 50 in the first half, um, ended up 79 for the game. Purdue had not allowed over 70 all season long. Afterwards, here is Mike Woodson on the victory. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. Well, again, you're not the number one team in the, in, in the country and not be able to make runs. And I thought we... 
played extremely well the first half. I mean, from the start to the end of that half, boy, our defense was really, really good. And, you know, I, I thought we got a little stagnant the second half, and their defense picked up, and, and we didn't have a lot of answers for Big Edie the second half. I mean, he kind of had his way. But he's, you know, he's... He's a big load, man, for any team. And I thought for the most part we battled him and then we made the plays that we needed to make coming home. That last part could not be more true. Jalen Hood, Shafino, Jake, 12 of his 16 after halftime. Trace Jackson Davis was quiet from a scoring standpoint late, but Hood Shafino showed why he'll be a first-round pick one day. So Indiana is now uh, hosting Rutgers. Tomorrow night, Purdue goes on the road. They take on Iowa, or excuse me, Purdue at home against Iowa on Thursday. The issue for Purdue on Saturday, turnovers and free throws. Matt Painter, that was his worry entering the game, thinking back to last year's meeting in Bloomington, and that showed up again, especially in the first half. We really talked about how they pressured and got into you last year here. We had 10 turnovers in the first half here last year. Then we came back and actually took the lead in the game, and then they made that shot at the end. But we just said, like, you know, we can't repeat that. You know, let somebody beat you a different way. Like, you know, keep giving yourselves a chance and take care of the basketball. And So when you have 11 turnovers in the first half and the game before, you had seven for the whole game, you know. You know, it just hurts you, but you know, our guys were resilient. They, they battled back, but you know, not good enough. 10 of 17 from the foul line to go with those 16 turnovers. So, obviously, you see that for Purdue, and you realize why he lost the game. Uh, Matt Painter, which we'll play later in the program, had very nice things to say about Trace Jackson Davis as well. Uh, very nice things to say about him. So, we'll play that later in the program. Super Bowl week, Arizona is where the game will be held. Philadelphia, Kansas City. There, I believe tonight is the media night that they do oh boy. for the Super Bowl. Colts head coaching search. Continue to have eyes on that. The Cardinals, the other team that has an opening on that front. I am curious, uh, Shane Sykin, does he get any questions about the Colts head coaching? Somebody asked game? me the question. It's a fair question. Is Shane Sykin at all reserved about taking the Colts head coaching job because of how kind of demonstrative that Nick Sirianni has been about the Frank Reich firing, I, I don't think so because he's interviewed with him. You know what I mean? Yeah, interviewed twice. Yeah. So clearly he has an interest level there. Yeah, I mean, I think you would have some questions for Nick Sirianni and Frank Reich. He comes from the Frank Reich coaching uh, tree with the Chargers. To answer your question, does he take questions about it today? Probably not because this is when like American Idol rejects dress in bridal gowns and do funny interviews. And everybody laughs like it's the funniest thing they've ever seen and they've never seen anything like that before. It's ridiculous. If Rocky did it, you would like it. If Rocky the mascot did it, you'd like it. Oh, that's a good point. That's totally different. Rocky is... Making exceptions for the rule right there. Rocky yeah. is the best. Is, is, I want to know... I, wanna, I could go through all 20 of them. I want a total like. rundown of the mascot sure. Hall of Fame. That was Friday you were there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a good is time. It, is it he said the, the girls trip? were not happy that Rocky or that uh, Rowdy was not there. Rowdy's not there yet. He's... He, he, could be coming soon, but they, they, have, they have standards. You have to have, be there for ten years and all that stuff. So there's, there's a bunch in there. I'll go through them with you. Do they, do they actually have like the full size mascot outfits on display? So they have. Apparently, they have one that rotates like monthly and stuff. So they had like the Ohio Bicentennial mascot, which was a giant cardinal, was on display. Shouldn't it be a bison? No. no. What? Wouldn't that make sense? He said bicentennial. I know. So it, they should, it should be a bison, and his name should be Tennial. Bob Kravitz oh, at 9, Miller Cobb at 9.30. Kevin Aquari right here, 93.5, 107.5, the fan. What, what the- 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hell. Kevin and Corey, on a Monday, a little overcast, but weather-wise, or I should say temperature-wise, pretty nice compared to uh, what we are used to last week. Sounds like temperatures will reach into the 50s here a good amount as we hit our first full week of February. It is Super Bowl week. Colts head coaching search continues again. There's probably a good chance Colts make no announcement on this front, considering how the NFL typically operates during this week, we'll get Bob Kravitz's thoughts coming up at 9 o'clock and hit a lot of things with Bob. Uh, do you make anything, Jake? I know you were, I guess, whatever, anti-court storm, but I didn't think any IU player. I, anti, I mean, I'm, I'm not anti-court storm for what it's worth. I mean, I, college kids are college kids, right? I, I get it. It's not traditional I, I at Indiana, Kentucky, whatever. But A court storming is a reflection of... Your drunkest, youngest fan base. No, you're right. And we sit here and we act like Don Fisher stormed the court. No, what I think is this. Who cares? Let them have fun. I I don't disagree at all. All I'm saying is, if you are Purdue, you should take a little bit of pride in the fact that you are deemed to be a, I mean, they've beaten Purdue plenty of times in the past and not stormed the court, but it shows what Indiana thinks of you that they are willing to storm the court because they beat you. It's a compliment. Yeah, and I mean, you were saying to me before the show started, what, out of Purdue's last like five losses, everybody stormed yeah. the court against them or yep. something like that? They've, I think five of their last six losses as a program have resulted in a court storm. If I were to give you these two options right now, and you tell me the one you feel more confident about, Purdue wins three games or more in the NCAA tournament? Or Indiana wins two games or more in the NCAA tournament? So you feel better about Purdue making at least the Elite Eight or Indiana making at least the Sweet 16? I think it's... To me, that's like... Are you more confident that it's going to snow yet once more in February or that there's going to be rain showers in March? You know what I mean? Like, it feels like those are both really, really, really strong. I guess you would go with, based on that, the way you you presented it, I would go with I'm more confident that Indiana will win two games only because that's the easier of the two feats to accomplish. You, You are reducing the number of chances for you know, obviously for something to go wrong. But um it's pretty impressive considering that conversation a month ago, Jake, where Indiana's turned this season. Undoubtedly. I mean I guilty as charged right here, no doubt about it. And looking at Indiana's schedule, and I'm looking at it, when they went through that stretch where they lost three in a row, it felt like it was spiraling. And they were coming off that Penn State loss by nineteen in January. And I remember saying like, are they gonna miss the tournament? And they, right now, I haven't looked at the late, you know, that bracketology is, we can kind of roll our eyes at it, but it's pretty darn accurate. Um, I would guess right now, what would you say that Indiana is? A six seed? 
five or six? Yeah, I'd say after Saturday, I I would think right around five. You know, so much of the tournament is dependent upon matchups. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you always have... You just never know what kind of team you go up against. But yeah, it feels like Indiana is a safe Sweet 16 consideration. Indiana right now a five seed. Opening up against Kent State and then in round two... Again, I realize this is ridiculous. But to give you an idea of where they would rank. Round two, they would take on Xavier. Which would be interesting. It would be a rematch, right? Yep. Indiana, big win over Xavier earlier this season. Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, 5 of 20. I thought, again, their inefficiency scoring it. Jalen Huchifino's efficiency scoring it. And just running the show. I, I know that it goes against everything that Matt Painter believes in to throw his own at an opponent. But when you saw what you know Maryland did, you saw what Minnesota did, I did find it interesting that just no real wrinkle in what Purdue threw at Indiana. I thought when Trace was doubled, he did such a beautiful job, especially early on Saturday of like when he was decisive, he was decisive. And then when he needed to be patient, he was patient. And I know there's kind of blurred lines with that, but I thought he handled the doubles really well. It seemed like Purdue would run the double at him and then they kind of back off and that's when Trace would back it out and then he would attack after that. I saw... And he was outstanding. Tell me if you agree with this. It seemed to me that Trace Jackson Davis, for the first time really, and maybe maybe I've just not noticed this, I don't know, but it seemed to me that, that the Purdue game was the first time, and maybe they were trying to get Edie in trouble, but I don't recall Trace Jackson Davis with his back to the basket, getting the basketball, and then immediately turning and facing the basket. And, you know, he still has yet to develop really a, a – face the basket jump shot you think that's him saying i know the double's coming go ahead and send it yeah i can see or, the floor or i think maybe he's trying to show a little bit that he can play more than just simply with his back around the basket from five feet in you know maybe he's starting to because he's hearing that chatter i don't know but it did open things up i mean it did kind of facilitate their offense i indiana's high low game has really developed as well i mean they they're just so dependent still though on Jalen Hood Shafino playing well for them. You know, when he goes on the road and has off nights, it's really hard for them to win games or or hang around them. Uh, but when he's on, man, they're they're very very good. Obviously, yeah, he wanted the ball late. Mike Woodson mentioned that after the game, and he uh, certainly made the plays. Again, Trish Jackson Davis did not score in the final ten minutes of the game. Yet Indiana was able to hold on. Uh, Tim wanted to talk about the Pacers game last night. Tim, were you there? Did you see Rocky and Jake have a little? Looked like they were kissing each other at one point. I, I did. I did see the mascots, and I, I was wondering uh, those were those guys had to have been secondary mascots, right? Because those all, all those teams had games, so I, I wondered where the costumes came from. Let's see here. Are you questioning the integrity of the mascots? Last, well, there De- last night, Denver was on the road, right? Uh, Miami was off. Portland, uh, okay. Portland was off, so I think those are the. My understanding is Tim. Is this a Santa Claus debate we're about right now? No, or? but my understanding is in knowing we're somebody that in, I guess, and knowing somebody that handles the Pacers travel in years past, those are the legitimate mascots. Okay, okay. Rocky is yeah, the greatest. Like, yeah, he was good. I, I like the gorilla too. If I'm being yeah, he's cool. The gorilla's cool. Um, yeah, I was at the game. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson, and I don't know. The Pacers are what two and ten, and in the last 
12 games. I know Halliburton was out, but those guys have completely fallen out of the rotation, and I'm not I'm not really sure why. I mean, Neesmith's taking the, a lion's share of the minutes now, and they go Turner at seven foot, and then Nees, everybody else is six five or under in the starting lineup, and I'm I'm not I'm not sure why why they've gone that way. I mean, I didn't see, I don't remember seeing anything with Smith or Jackson before this long skid that ma- made Carlisle think that he didn't give him any minutes. I, I I'm not. It's a great him. question, I mean, and I think what happened with Jalen Smith was that. They initially were plugging him in at the four, playing with Miles Turner, and that they had Jalen Smith at the four. And I think they determined that, in particular defensively, that he was better off being at the five and backing up Miles Turner. Um, but then when Daniel Tice got healthy, they wanted to see what Tice could do. That's only been two games granted. Isaiah Jackson, I think they felt like, was a defensive liability at times, and that's how he fell out of rotation. But now. They, it's not that either one of them is being disciplined per se, Tim, but I think that they want to see what they have in Daniel Tyson, how he meshes in, and that again comes at the cost of minutes for those two. But I agree with you. I mean, Jalen Smith in particular, um, really like him, but you know, once he fell out, man, all of a sudden it was like, wait a minute, what happened to him? Thanks for the call, Tim. Uh, Jake, it's my most disappointing aspect of the Pacers season so far is the young bigs have not shown you enough and to Tim's point I'd like to see Carlisle commit to him we still got 30 games to go this season I'd like to see them a little bit more especially in a game like last night I mean Jake you were there I mean Evan Mobley and Jared Allen is such an imposing front line and you're going to trot out there Neesmith and play small and think that you're going to be able to handle that I don't like that I, I was disappointed Friday when you looked at it and I get it, the Pacers are healthy, so there's decisions that have to be made. But you look at Friday. These are the guys that did not play due to coach's decision on Friday. Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith, and Goga. Jake, those are four first-round picks in the last three years. Those are key development guys. And again, a lot of those names, they've given you reason not to necessarily right. play them. But this season is supposed to be a little bit more than just... The here and now, the short term, let's play McConnell 30 minutes, let's play, you know, Daniel Tice these these minutes. I'd like to see a little bit more of a big picture view. I'm not saying you need to play all of them, but I'd like to see some of those guys have a little bit more of a consistent rotation. Because Isaiah Jackson, for example, it's not like he got a lot of run at Kentucky. You knew development was going to be needed and patience was going to be needed. And some of those guys are important pieces, particularly the front court guys, when you're trying to build depth behind Turner for the next couple of seasons. I think the difficult thing for Gogo Batazzi is there are guys like this. They need to be in the game for a certain number of minutes to kind of get the feel for things and to kind of get going. And it it feels to me like... He, he needs 12 to 15 minutes to really kind of get in rhythm. And there just aren't 12 to 15 minutes per game for him to allow that to happen. You know what I mean? That's his ceiling is to get out there for 12 or 15 minutes. Is that a new mug you're, you're drinking? Well, You've I've, got two. What do I we know. have here? I've gone with tea today. The, the throat's a little scratchy. Yeah, my, my throat is as well. Uh, it's, yeah, I didn't then, get the shingles vaccine, though. <laughs> yeah, the shingles vaccine is doing a work a, a number here. I think I've just got the February throat scratch. I had that too. I had that too. 
I was talking to a guy. I was getting gas actually after the Indiana Purdue game Saturday night, and the guy I was talking to the guy on the other side of the pump, and it was really windy. And so as we were talking, I realized like you know what this like bitter cold air is just blasting the back of like the, all into my mouth, and my throat was dried up. And literally within twenty seconds, I'm like, I think I have a sore throat. Then I got the shingles vaccine, and buddy, it's been a doozy. Yeah, that's a hell of a twenty four hours for you. Though. Yeah, well, look, you just you got to keep keep on keeping on though, sure. right? Sure. There's Not no rest here. Uh, any Pro Bowl for you guys? That's no. when I rested. Yeah, no. Actually, I got a message from a friend that watched it that loved it. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't. I, I will admit, it's I didn't. Well, I was half-ass attempt at flag football. I was at the Pacer game, so I didn't see it. But I actually didn't really know many of the flag football rules. And Mark, is Stephen Holder going to the Super Bowl too, or is he just Pro Bowl bound? I know he. Didn't I have don't know. Him. I have to text him and ask him. So we'll have Steven on later this week because he was there. I think he had a few tweets over the weekend like, they're trying to make this a 2028 Olympic sport? Come on. Flag football? I could have sworn I saw that. Okay. I mean, I mean do you remember the Gus Macker? Are what? you guys too young to remember the Gus Macker? No, no. Definitely not too young. Gus Macker was a huge thing for Wouldn't like the U.S. Three just years. dominate the flag football? And then when the Gus Macker, like all of a sudden it just turned into like a bunch of dudes fighting each other. You know, it kind of wore itself Well, three-on-three three is an Olympic sport. Wasn't Robbie Hummel in it? I think it is. I mean, obviously, you've got the, the Ice Cube League and all that stuff, right? Okay, what's your name? How is Vital on the call? I love Dick Vital. I have all the respect in the world for Dick Vital. Sounded like he needed some tea at I times am, during the call. I am obviously, and I've, you know, I mean, I've obviously been around Dick Vital from a professional standpoint cross paths i guess i should say and i think he's a wonderful guy um and i'm happy as heck that for the health journey that he's undergone that he's hopefully got that in the past and i think dick vital probably also should get ready to kind of let somebody else have their shot i just think he sounds and i understand it i mean i'm not knocking him for it i think he sounds really tired when he does games like he uh, it's like a forced enthusiasm and I hate saying that, but I cannot be the only one that thinks that. I know it's probably it, – I hate saying it because I have all the respect in the world for him, and the guy is a legendary, iconic broadcaster whose voice immediately tells you it's a big game, all of that. And he is he – I don't think his energy is forced, though. I think that's always been him, right? Yes, but what I'm saying is, like, in the past – like. You know, oh, ho, ho, you know, that kind of thing. Now when he does, let me rephrase that. Forced is the wrong word. It sounds overly laborious. Boy, how about that SAT word to start your Monday morning? What, Martin? Is that from the... The shingles vaccine? May you mm-hmm. go into your dictionary? Yeah. He had I think a that's a fairly dream com- last night. I think that's a fairly common word. I, I can, I can tell you've been back to school here recently. Yeah, <laughs> I have not taken any English classes. I, those were all in the bank. Do you have well, the definition of laborious in front of I you, mean, Mark? I can pull it what? You know what we do on this program, don't you? We educate and entertain. That's correct. Well, yes. One question I had from Saturday, and I know you get this at various points, particularly during the college basketball season, You know when they threaten to call a technical foul in the crowd. Right. What if that was just some Purdue student in the IU section? I've always thought that. I've, I, had a, I had a pact with a buddy of mine who was a huge North Carolina fan, uh, back in the day, that if Kentucky got to the Final Four one year, we were going to dress in all Kentucky gear and like go out on the floor and get a technical call at a right. moment. Yeah, Trace Jackson Davis and Mike Woodson, rightfully so, they were 
furious at, I would say, more of the student aspect to it and then potentially getting IU Tech. But Jeremy Gray did a nice job on the old... Uh, what, what do yeah. we have for the definition, Mark? Laborious, an adjective, especially of a task, process, or journey requiring considerable effort and time. It sounds like he is... He sounds like he is struggling to up his energy level, and I totally understand and respect it, and I think the world of him. Yeah, he's been through a ton off the career. Correct. And I can't be the only one that, when you're listening, feels like, at times, it's awkward. That's Also, all. of speech or writing style, showing obvious signs of effort and lacking influency. I, okay. Bob Kravitz go. at 9, Miller Cop at 9.30. Kevin Aquari, 8 o'clock hour, coming up. It is 8 o'clock on... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. On Monday. Good morning to you. My name is Jay Corey. Kevin Bowen here as well. Mark Dykton. We sound healthy and fit as a fiddle in this joint. God, just peak February right now. You guys sound awful. Excuse me? You guys sound awful. You don't sound healthy. I I disagree. I don't my know. My voice is halfway decent, but what what about me sounds ill? Oh, you've been talking only the first hour. I feel like hell. I had a fever <laughs> dream that Wink Markendale was the no, no, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Glenn was the Colts head Aaron coach. Glenn. Whatever. I, I to Jake's point, I did hear that Aaron Glenn left a very strong impression in his second interview. Tony, that was my dream. I, I I got the shingles vaccine yesterday. All was good. I went to the Pacer game, met Rocky. That was awesome. Is the shingles vaccine just in your arm? Yes. Okay. I got two. I got the tetanus also. Mm-hmm. Did you scrape yourself on some rusty nails <laughs> said, or I go, something? I go, well, do I really need the tetanus? Like, I don't, I'm not like a welder. And the guy said, well, when's the last time you had one? I said, I have no idea. And he goes, well, then you probably need one. If you're going to meet Rocky tonight, you have to have this. Right. And I said, what happens if I, if I don't get it? And he said, well, if you get tetanus, you could die. And I said, well, okay. If I'm going to meet a mascot Hall of Famer, I got to go. So my arm is a little sore, but but literally at about 3 a.m., I woke up from a fairly comfortable slumber, and I, I literally looked like Nicholson at the end of The Shining, or at least that's what I felt like. Like I was freezing. I had like nine blankets on me. It was awful. I, I don't know that I went back to sleep. And then now I've got a little bit of a head cold. That's some vaccines. What? But, you know, you, you got to do what you got to do, right? But think about this Kyrie trade. I think Kyrie Irving is one of the most uniquely talented players in basketball. And I'm a little miffed by – if there was a team that I had to predict where he would end up, it would be Dallas because I think Dallas has always believed in the big splash type stuff. And the thought process of Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving in the same backcourt is very intriguing. That's a lot. Is there enough ball to go around? That's it. They are two players that both need the ball in their hands. The the, the easiest way to say it would be, okay, it's great that he's he's in the backcourt. Like, who do you stop, right? Except for the same thing. He, he's That's exactly where he was previously, and it's not like he was winning titles there. I realize he won one in Cleveland. But. Gosh, he's so talented and so exhausting. I mean, him and Luca, frankly, I mean, that's two of the top, what, 10, 15 most just like talented backcourt guys. The problem with Kyrie, in terms of his talent level, he is a top probably five talent in the NBA. And then in terms of his 
teammate level, and I don't know the guy, but he is just constant distraction. Just constant distraction. Yeah, I just laughed when I saw the news on Friday. When he's good, he's really good. And if you're Durant, what are you thinking? Kevin, here is Kyrie Irving in a nutshell. And this is applicable for men or women. In this case, I will say men because that's what I am. Guy, every guy has the guy in college that you are friends with or the high school buddy or whatever it is. Oh, you're going to go Mike Gundy on us. That <laughs> Everybody has that guy that meets some girl that is a total wild child. Or for you ladies listening, you have one of your girlfriends that meets a guy that is just a total bro, like a frat bro guy. And you're like, you know what? I mean, they're really good looking and they're fun and like they look great when they walk into the wedding together, but everybody knows that like they're a wild child, but everybody knows that person that is convinced they're going to change the significant other. I know she's been crazy in the past, but I really think like I can get her to settle down or the woman saying that about a guy. That's exactly what Kyrie Irving is. He is a wonderful talent who... In 60% of the games that he is available is an asset to you because he's a great offensive player and facilitator and everything else. And then the other 40% of the time, he's half crazy. He doesn't play. He sits out or he causes problems and disruption. And But every he is talented enough that every franchise thinks to themselves, yeah, but we've got the people in place. We're confident that we can turn things around for him. And here, here he's back to square one. He'll be back on the block for Dallas in two years. The Dallas connections, Jason Kidd, Kyrie have had a relationship. Nico Harrison, the Mavs GM, uh, used to work at Nike. So a connection there. So I think that's why Dallas thinks they can be the sixth team that solves Kyrie Irving. Um, On the Colts head coaching front, I would say the biggest news item from the weekend happened yesterday, and that was Ejero Evero, who interviewed... Twice for the Colts' head coaching job. He was the first outside-of-the-building candidate. Got a second interview with Indy. He is going to become Frank Reich's defensive coordinator in Carolina. So I think there's a lot of dominoes that you look at from this. One, it keeps Gus Bradley theoretically on the open market. And I guess technically he's not really on the open market. The Colts still have him under contract. You would think the new head coach would make the permanent decision on that, kind of like Sean Payton did with Evero in Denver. Um and what I think, if you're a Panthers fan, I think what you have to like is you interviewed Evero for your head coaching gig, and yet you got two of the candidates you interviewed for the head coaching gig now on your staff, and that is something that I felt like the Colts could and should try and do. The Colts have interviewed a ton of candidates. Could there have been an offensive hire, and then you pair them up with a defensive coordinator, or vice versa? Um, so I think that is something that Carolina did here. That Jake, this is part of the advantage of getting the process done a little bit earlier. And that's probably the one negative I've had with the Colts. I'm okay with patience, but the one negative is you're missing out on opportunities to build a staff. And guys are going to get antsy. Guys are going to get nervous. It's February 6th. Typically, coaching staffs are filled around the NFL by this point, and now we only have two openings. That is something that... I think you've got to keep in mind if you're the Colts. Do you think he calls Indianapolis before he takes the job in Carolina? I would hope. Or I don't, again, I don't mean know. to say I don't mean to say, hey, 
professional courtesy, I want to let you know what I'm doing. I mean to say, like, hey, do I have a shot here? Yeah, just to be sure. Right. Yeah. And he was a a candidate in Arizona as well. And again, that opening appears to be down to three finalists, Brian Flores, uh, Mike Kafka, the young Giants OC, two names that uh, you know I was kind of intrigued by. Um, and then Lou, is it... Boy, I always butcher it. Something with an A. Um, he's the Bengals DC. Uh, but the other question I would have, Jake, is is he... Are the Colts telling candidates no? And are the Lou Colts trimming him Do it again. Anarumo? Anarumo, thank you. He was at Purdue for a while. Are the Colts telling candidates no? Is this list shrinking? I could see the Colts not telling them no as much as we're not in a position to make a decision just yet. Hey, I want to know if I'm the guy. We're not in a position to make a decision just yet. Well, it's got to be a tough call then if you're him. We'll let you know on our fourth round of interviews. I... Oh, by the way, I've broken down what I think happens like in a 12-hour interview. Oh, really? Okay. Can we can we go over that? Sure. Well, I, I think 12 hours is a little bit overblown. I think it's more like 8-ish. Okay. You know, you got to so eat. You got to travel. This begins at 9 a.m., right? Okay. okay. And I'm just, you know... These are one-hour chunks, and when you're meeting with Jim Irsay, let's be honest, time can be a bit fluid. Ask about Janis Joplin, 9 a.m., 12.45, have conversation interrupted Mm -hmm. by someone. Yeah, Yeah. drums back there. Okay, one hour on your plan at quarterback. Okay. One hour on your free agency plan. One hour on the draft. One hour on, you know, schedule, practice schedule, training camp schedule, off-season schedule, all that stuff. Uh, another hour on the locker room. Uh, when's lunch? Well, lo- you know, lunch you can th- throw it in. Okay. So after schedule, we'll, we'll go to lunch. Yeah, go to lunch. We'll talk about the locker room. Come back. Have another hour on the coaching staff. Kevin uh, one hour just on your general background as a human. That probably should slide maybe to the front. Maybe that's the 9 a.m. hour. Right. Okay. Um, again, because Jim Mercer did not sit in on these first interviews. So these would be the second interviews. Okay. And then lastly, I would say another hour on... What that coach thinks of your roster. Okay. So that gets us to 4 p.m. Well, 5, we're done. At Roster begins at 4, 5, we're done, right? And then we and then what? Throwing breakfast, throwing dinner, maybe a shower. What do they eat? Rick's Boatyard. That's probably right, right? Because it's over on the west side. The Boathouse Grill, right? Right there by the complex. Either Rick's Boatyard, okay. It's a good spot. I like and the Boathouse Grill. And then, like you say, hey, you know, we can talk more about this tomorrow. And they say, oh, we'd like to do that, but we have candidate 37 coming at 9 a.m., yeah. mm-hmm. right? Yeah, we got Aaron Glenn coming in. Uh, Ryan goes, I know he gets a lot of crap for trading DeAndre Hopkins, but he's surprised that we didn't call Bill O'Brien. Had a lot of success during his time with the Texans. You liked him initially, right? I think Bill O'Brien just has this awful stigma against him, and I'm confused why. Like, his resume as a head coach, not a GM... And Ryan points that out there in trading Hopkins. As a head coach, I would say is somewhat respectable, if not better than respectable, considering some of these retreads to get thrown out there. I was a little surprised that Bill O'Brien wasn't a candidate anywhere. I was thinking that you liked him, like initially that you were saying. He's honestly someone I thought Purdue should call. Maybe that's what I'm thinking, yeah. I mean, what... What'd they do? Go to the playoffs, what, four times in six years, something like that, when he was the head coach? I'd like to know this. And I think you get on me a little bit when I mention this. Probably rightly so. 
it does not matter. It is irrelevant. I give them credit for doing their due process. There certainly is no rush for all intent and purposes. But do fans see this? And kudos to the Colts. The Colts said up front, look, this is going to be a while. Do fans see the exhaustive weight and and thorough nature of the Colts coaching search as necessary and signs of thoroughness, or do they see it as, at this point, tired and absurd? How do Colts fans view it? Yes. Oh, certainly the latter. You think so? Tired and absurd, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you you put a poll out there, I would say the majority would say tired and absurd over thorough and diligence. The one thing that, to me, stands out... At this point, you've interviewed everybody twice and possibly three times. And football is a game that moves quickly. Everything in football moves quickly. During the game, you got to make decisions quickly. In the draft, you got to you got to get up there and you got to make your pick. You've got to have done research and the, the the process of the scouting process and make your pick and do it quickly. And I realize that they have time for this, but the longer it goes, does the more it question their process and their ability to make a decision? I, and that's totally fair if people are like, you are a radio guy trying to create a storyline that doesn't exist. I, that's fair. I'm just spitballing here. But does it feel like this is an organization that can't make a decision? Yeah, and I think that's the key word you just used there, Jake. Organiza- organization. Jim Irsay, to say he was in the background for the first interviews would be an understatement. Like, he didn't really want to take part in any of the first round of interviews. So if Jim is a little bit more front and center for the first round of interviews, and then obviously he is again for the second round of interviews, maybe you can solve this after two rounds. The fact that Irsay said, no, 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 you know, come to me after the first round and then I'll show up. Well, now that can delay some things because he's the one making the final decision. I I just think that the Colts have given themselves zero benefit of the doubt with decision-making right now with their fan base. So everything is going to be skeptical. Everything is going to be kind of critically evaluated. Um, Again, my knock is it that you could be losing out on staff members. That would be one. You saw that perhaps, right? my, My knock on it. Yeah. Is your mic on? Oh, sorry. We saw that. Did you turn my mic off? Oh, I don't touch your mic. That's all you. I did not turn that off. That's baloney. Why would I turn my mic off? There's no one that loves my mic being on more than me. I know. I've always found that odd. (laughs) The only time I touch is when you leave it on during breaks. I don't leave it on during breaks. Did we have a caller about Notre Dame football, Mark? Yeah. He wants your opinion on Tommy Reese leaving. Andrew, Tommy Reese, going to Alabama? Kevin, how are you this morning? Doing swell. Yourself? I'm doing great. I want to get your opinion on Tommy leaving. Um, I know it's a big change for Notre Dame's offensive coordinating position, um, but didn't know if you had any likely candidates for that job or uh, what you thought about Tommy leaving. I want Charlie Weiss Jr. (laughs) And I say that in all seriousness. Uh, Andrew, thank you for the call. I think Tommy Reese is a big loss. I know a lot of Notre Dame fans were highly critical of him. Um I would disagree. I, I think Reese is a really bright offensive mind. Sean McVay had a lot of interest in him a couple of years ago. And, I mean, Jake, just look at the Alabama offensive coordinator 
track record. Oh. Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, Bill O'Brien. I don't blame Tommy Reese whatsoever for taking that job. Oh, it's better than most head coaching jobs, right? Have you been to Alabama? Uh, yeah, but not Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa's pretty nice. I like Tuscaloosa. I think, I think Miami just fired their OC, by the way, Andrew. Um, Josh Gaddis, I don't know, maybe a kick the tires on him. I think at this point, if I was an o, at the age I am now, if I was an offensive coordinator, I'd take jobs just almost entirely based on just where I want to live. And South Bend probably wouldn't be high on the list. Yeah, Tuscaloosa would be nice. I don't know that I'd even want to live in Clemson, South Carolina. Like, I love Clemson, but I don't think I'd want to live there. God, it's crazy. Tommy Reese is 30 years old. But with that move, Jake, he now is probably created. If he has success as the Alabama OC, he could be an NFL head coach within five yeah. years. Two years of, and I heard of success at Alabama, go to the NFL. But it seemed to me like years. people were not happy with their offensive yeah, I just, decisions last year. You know, maybe from a recruiting standpoint, he was, you know, they missed out on some offensive talent. But I think with what he's had to work with, I think they've been fine. If Sean McVay and Nick Saban want you, you're good enough for me. Hell, remember Brian Kelly? Brian Kelly put the full court press on him to try and get him to come to LSU. That was a huge deal. Him staying in Notre Dame. Now, there's a place I could live. Baton Rouge, I'd live in Baton Rouge. If I was the... Who's the biggest offensive guru in college football? Who's the, the O coordinator that like everybody wants? I, I guess head coach, I would go on Lincoln Riley. So if I'm Lincoln Riley, I literally I'm shocking the world because I'm becoming the head coach of the Wyoming Cowboys just to live in Laramie, Wyoming. Like hell yes. Find Bill, the next Josh Allen. Oh, I'd be the best. There's only like one bar in Laramie though, but it's okay. They have a nice burger place. It's beautiful. It's where I'd go. Um uh, Mark the mascot stay Hall with of Monaco. Fame. Reese What's Monaco. That? You can stay with Reese Monaco, that uh the voice of the Cowboys <laughs> who we had on. Ask him, ask him a question at eight p.m. about Trace Jackson Davis, and let him go. Settle it at midnight. You know, I I know that we obviously <laughs> laugh at that, and again, for those that forget, IU Wyoming in the playing game last year, we had the voice of the Cowboys on to close out the show. I think the day of the game, the day before the game, and you would have thought he saw an alien and watching Trace Jackson Davis. <laughs> he talked and talked and talked. He was a he nice guy. He would have gone until eleven o'clock. He's a nice guy about Trace. But can't that help Indiana and Purdue in the tournament? What, like Reese in all Monaco? seriousness, the fact that obviously Edie much more than Trace, but they are two very unique big guys, and it's hard to replicate that or simulate that in practice. I, I would agree. I, Edie, of course, both of them are guys that can carry them for a little bit. Yes, and Matt Painter was effusive in his praise. Do we have that sound, Mark? I was going to ask yeah. you about the mascot Hall of Fame, but let's get to that. Matt Painter, after the game, was asked about Trace Jackson Davis. Zach Eady was tremendous for Purdue in getting them back in the game after Indiana got out to a big lead. Trace Jackson Davis, a big part of that lead. You knew that it was going to come down to the play of both big men. And 25 for Trace Jackson Davis. And this was Matt Painter afterwards in talking about Indiana's star forward center, Trace Jackson Davis. Trace is fabulous. Just a great person. You know, great player. Um... You know, we were on him early and put a lot of time into him. And obviously, he, he chose to come here, and that's you know that that's his choice. But he's he's fabulous, man. He's added more pieces to his game. His decision making when he first started, when you doubled him, was just okay. And now he's gotten where he's really good. But tonight, he was physical. Like you know, when he made moves and he did stuff, like he was our guys were bouncing off of him. I mean, it was impressive. Like he made a couple spin moves and you know the dunks and. 
he's got a bright future. There's there, there's there's some really really intelligent NBA people out there that understand that. So you can look at those mock drafts or whatever, but he's going to spend a long time in the NBA. He's fabulous, and he's a super super person. Uh, was Charlie Brown's teacher holding court next door? Was that what was going on there? I, I, I did want to add on that super person part. Uh, Matt Painter threw out there that Trace Jackson Davis texted. Matt Painter, when um, Caleb Swanigan passed, just offering his condolences to Matt Painter. He does seem like just a great kid. I know he's on with John with with uh, on our station here late last week. And um, again, Jake, I thought, and Matt Painter pointed out there, he was decisive when he needed to be, but also when the double came, I thought he was really patient. And I mean, Indiana scored seventy nine points and hit four threes. You don't often see that. Team score 79, easily the most Purdue's given up all year, and they only hit four threes. Obviously, the Purdue turnovers played into that, but Jalen Hood-Shafino was just outstanding. I thought um, the the other thing that I noticed in the post-game press conference, my buddy Mark Baker sent me this picture, and I'm like, holy cow. Braden Smith and Zach Eady sitting up at the podium next to one another? Oh, yeah, I saw the Will Ferrell elf meme. I mean, it was unbelievable. Like that was the first time that you're like that gives you an idea just how massive a human being Zach Eady is. Just uh, uh, unbelievable. Boy, Braden Smith. It seemed like he got into the lane and to the rim so often, but boy, he just couldn't throw anything in. Yeah. Finally made that late one. Well, you knew eventually that you know that the that young late. play of the guards for Purdue may come into play, and, and to an extent, it did. I mean, it, they- it's odd to, and I don't know the vibe that you've gotten, Jake, but I get the vibe that. Obviously, Indiana's going to be thrilled about that. But I get the vibe that, like, Purdue, obviously they don't want to lose to their rival, but Purdue fans feel just fine, if not really good, about their team after what happened on Saturday. I'm telling you, three times Indiana has knocked off the number one team in the country at Assembly Hall since the building opened in 1972. 2000, Michigan State. 2000 was that was Michigan State the defending national champion that was the year they went to the championship game right I, that was that was um yeah right Mateen Cleves and them they beat Florida here yeah but it might have been the year before it might have been the year before but either way Michigan and Kentucky the last two both of them went on to the national championship game with the national player of the year on their roster I was trying to think the Michigan one would that have been Trey Burke yes gosh he was a good college player so you, you know it, if you are Purdue, there's really not a lot of shame. You, you want to win it because it's your rival. I totally get it, right? But at the same time, the reality, you go and you play a ranked team who was favored on the road, and they win by five. It's, I thought the environment just got to great. Purdue a little bit. Yeah, the environment line, was great. 10 of 17 turnovers, certainly. Two weeks from Saturday, the rematch, and that's a night game, 7.30, up in Mackey, interesting kind of scheduling uh, here from the Big Ten. Obviously, uh, IU probably doesn't love that they now play the football team, right? Isn't that what Rutgers is? Rutgers is a football team playing basketball. Let me tell you, tomorrow night, six thirty, Assembly Hall. You got to give Rutgers some credit, though, right? Oh, like they've done. I mean, they might be the second best team in the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah, and you totally forget about them. They beat Michigan State right on Saturday. Yeah, they are right there. I mean, Purdue's got a stranglehold in the Big Ten for sure. But how about Michigan? Michigan State's the one that 
I don't know. Are the there's like 17 teams at seven and five in the Big are the Nine. Michigan are, are radio guys in in the state of Michigan taking calls about Tom Izzo? Whoa, let's get him to South Bend. <laughs> you want anybody in oh, South? Oh, someone Bend. tweeted at me the Bill Self to to South Bend over the weekend. Oh, sure, why not? I'm going to be there in three weeks. You want me to drop that note to him? I, for a second, I thought you were going to be in South Bend. No. Notre Dame had an early lead on Wake Forest, but they struggled. I saw Butler kept it closer than they usually do in their losses. Is that a step in the right direction? Uh, it's The year is probably, you're probably looking forward to next year, right? For Butler. Probably act- Safe assumption. Yeah. All right, Bob Kravitz going to join us in a half hour. Miller Cop, a couple big threes. I thought he had a huge steal there late. Uh, when Purdue had cut it to two. Miller Cop going to join us coming up at 9.30. Let's hit a morning check down. The morning check down. Brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The uh, Michigan Sports Radio Show that's on right with us. X's and bros. <laughs> Weekday 6 to 9. I mean, I'm not here to say that our name is super creative or anything to write home about, but thank the Lord we're not so, that. So that means that, hold on, does that mean that our exes come on the radio? I don't know. Exes and a, bros. Do you have a long laundry list of exes, Mark, that could come on and <laughs> fill in for you? How's it spelled? Exes, and then... Just the letter it, X. The letter X, E-X. apostrophe S, okay. and, and then B-R-O, apostrophe S. Okay. Well, first off, why is it apostrophe? I don't know. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Bros would just be... It's not possessive. It's just plural. It's fitting that that shows on from six to nine. Is all I'm saying. Okay. What the Pacers last night over Cambridge Fieldhouse? Mark, we find the Carlisle audio, please. Please save us. One twenty-two, one hundred three. Jake, ugly second quarter last night for Indiana. It was ugly all the way around, to be honest with you, because once Cleveland took the lead, and you know, Cleveland had a lot of athleticism with their bigs that you talked about that Indiana just couldn't match up with last night. I mean, Mobley played well, Jared Allen. Um, their starters were Donovan so Mitchell balanced. got off to a slow start. It went until the second half when he got going. So, uh, in the end, 122-103, Rick Carlisle after the game. Didn't play well. I told the guys after the game, this is all on me. I didn't do a good job at all preparing them for the kind of game that this was going to be and how we had to compete. So, uh, you know, I'm taking – I take all the heat for this loss. You know, I got to do a better job of getting getting our guys ready. Speaking of heat, at Miami, Wednesday, 7.30 tip. That is the final game until Thursday's trade deadline, 3 p.m., the trade deadline on Thursday. Pacers are going to have a back-to-back coming up this weekend. It's the Suns at Gamebridge Fieldhouse on Friday night and then at the Wizards. The um, the Heat mascot was there last night. He was one of them at the birthday party. He's not in the mascot Hall of Fame, just so you yeah, know. Yeah, he's just like a pink version of the Philly fanatic. You know his name? I looked him up when I lost it. But Fahrenheit? <laughs> no. Should be, right? Bernie. B-U-R-N-I-E. Oh, like you B- just make a okay. joke about like the Heat fans that show up with like two minutes to go. <laughs> Fashionably late, that's his yeah, name? literally. Uh... Indiana he didn't Purdue. do much. He just kind of hung out last night. Like most Miami Heat fans. <laughs> that is correct. Uh, Indiana-Purdue, we talked about it leading into the morning check down, but it was 79-74, the final in that one. Zach Eady did have 33-18. and I thought Jalen Hood-Shafino, outstanding, especially late. He had 12 of his 16 in the second half. Hood-Shafino made, I think it was the final, like, 
for the final five baskets of the game for Indiana. Here was Mike Woodson afterwards on the freshman. You know, Jalen has been great, you know, here at home. He's had some good moments on the road, and I got to get everybody when we're out on the road to, to play like they do here at home. Um, that's been the big test for our ball club this season. But, you know, he asked for the ball coming down the stretch, and I I drew up two plays to get it to him, and, and he delivered. Funky Coleman. <laughs> that was... Mike Woodson at upstairs at Nick's in the That's Hoosier right. room on Saturday night. Did they still have the upstairs pub in Bloomington? Oh, yeah. It's a staple. What about the video saloon? Is it still the there? The vid. Oh, yeah. The bouncer's been there since I think they were undefeated in 76. Bullwinkles. Is it still there? Not familiar. Okay. Fletcher Lawyer, Braden Smith, Probably. 5 of 20. Not surprising. We're not used to that from that freshman duo. I thought Lawyer got some great looks, too. He hit one, and I thought, okay, here we go, right? That'll kind of get him going a little bit. Not the case. Um, you know, they go back now to to Mackey in a couple of weeks, what, on the 25th? And I had said before the game, Indiana by five in Bloomington, Purdue by 15 in Mackey. See how off base I am. IU women rolled yesterday in Mackey, right? They they rolled their opponent, not they Correct. were rolled. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, they were. Uh... Was Wisconsin, is that who they were playing? No. Indiana women? Oh, there was Purdue also, Purdue. right? Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what I was thinking. The, the Purdue two-step. Bob Kravitz, 9 o'clock, Miller Cop, 9.30. Kevin Aquari coming back. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Okay, Mark, we've mentioned this several times, by the way, and Bob Kravitz coming up with a really interesting story in The Athletic. He's going to join us at 9 o'clock. It's a wild one. Totally wild story. Um, and I've talked to, to people that were around it that I, I think Bob's on to something in, in regards to this John Morant story. We'll get into that at 9 o'clock. Mark, we've mentioned a couple times, you went to the Mascot Hall of Fame over the weekend yep. in Whiting, Indiana, correct? correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, on the uh, waterfront. Yep. I want you to name a few mascots and, and then... I will tell you whether they are in or out. I, I consider well, they myself, are all in. The ones huh? I'm going to mention are all in. Well, you then you've got to come up with a couple of names of whether, who's out. I mean, or whether I, they're worthy or not. Is the San Diego chicken in? He is not. He's the famous chicken. They dropped the San Diego part, Kevin. There was some uh, legal issues, as I understand it. Really? Yeah, I'm not kidding you. He wasn't, they, they were debating over how much scratch he was getting, and so he left, went out on his own, and he's now the famous chicken, no longer the San Diego chicken. Hmm. Well, so you want me to just name some mascots and you tell me whether brand. you think they're in or out? Yeah, you tell me. You okay. name one, I'll tell you if they're in or out. All right, the Stanford tree. Uh, out. Correct. Okay. Uh, Tommy Hawk, Blackhawks mascot. In. Correct. Uh, Rally Monkey from the Angels. That yeah. wasn't actually a mascot. That was just like a stuffed animal. Deserves to be in. No, I'm going to say out. Maybe he'll be in the class of 2023. He's out. Uh-huh. See? Pathetic. Tell me. I don't know my mascots. Give me two more. Uh, Yuppie. Montreal Canadiens mascot. In. Correct. <laughs> UD. How about that? University of Delaware mascot. Oh, the Blue Hen. I was going to say Dayton. I'm an honorary Blue Hen, by the way, from the University of Delaware. So, But that, he's not in yet, though. He is in. Ooh. He is in. My streak is over. Uh, Southpaw from the Chicago White Sox. Not in. He is in. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. You said it was a good time, Mark? It was a good time. Did they mention the criteria? 
I mean, I'm assuming you have to be a mascot. Uh, I think you have to be created. They, well, because like my my daughters were like, "Where's Rowdy from the Indianapolis Indians?" I'm like, oh, I don't think he's not in yet." But from what we were told, they have to be in a mascot for at least ten years. Okay. Um, and they have I think 26 inductees so far, and then they'll have a class of 2023 coming. Now, up how long are the speeches when they get inducted? That's a lot of pantomiming, I think. <laughs> You got a clock. There's a highlight reel of everybody that's in though. Wrap, wrap it up. Boomer, Rocky is, Rocky's in though, right? Rocky's in. Boomer and Blue are both in. Those are the Indiana representatives. Uh, Blue hasn't been a mascot for ten years, has he? Oh, but yeah. Oh yeah. So he was, Blue's well over a decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brutus Buckeye, he's there. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> Mr. Matt, Philly year. fanatic, the Oriole Bird, which I I sent you a picture of. The cute fella. Yeah, yep. he's there. Rocky's there. Smokey from the. Tennessee, uh, Tennessee. What about, okay, what about the uh, pirate, the pitch, the pirate parrot? He's not in yet. Jazz Bear's in. The gorilla from the Suns How's is the in. the pirate parrot not in? No, He's been around forever. Again, classic. You got to space these big ones out. You can't have all the heavy hitters in right have away. Have I told you about my serial killer Hall of Fame? No. So I think they should have. Now this is now Kevin's looking at me like I'm crazy. I think. Listen, hear me out on this. We're promoting a mascot Hall of Fame for children. Then you just went to serial killer. Well, Hall if you of have fame. a serial killer Hall of Fame. I don't know where exactly you'd put it. We've got IU Purdue to recap, and we're going serial killer. But, Hall but of you've fame. got your first ballot, right? Now Manson is debatable because of the, what the, depends on the criteria. But you you have your first ballot. I mean, son of Sam, Dahmer's probably in there. But what you do is you you, you have it, and then because these serial killers are all the same, they're all sociopathic narcissists, right? So then the second year... You say George's been hanging on for a while, Mark? You you have... You, you send it out there that you are doing an in, just one inductee, and you have it be the Zodiac. In year two, the Zodiac is your shows inductee. Bingo, Mark. See, you're exactly thinking like me. when he Because sh- he won't be able to pass it up. Mm-hmm. These guys are all Unless narcissists. Unless he's already passed. So, what's that? Unless he's already passed. Well, then we'll know. Yeah. Because there's no chance he doesn't show up for all the pomp and circumstance. He shows up, you arrest him, and then, of course, you get rid of the Hall of Fame. It was all a roost to begin with. Well, inside IU basketball tonight, 7.05, right here on the fan again. Indiana Rutgers tomorrow. I you'd take the kids, Mark, would you? 6.30. Uh, not to that one, no. Miller Cop going to join us coming up at 9.30. Did mention George's been hanging in there for a while. George, you want to talk a uh, little bit of IU, a little bit of Colts? Hey, good morning, fellas. How are you? Doing What's Jerry great, Hoffa George? doing here? Always he good to hear up. you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Just just a couple things. Uh, first, just got to mess with Jake real quick. So, Jake, just to recap your comments on Dick Vitale earlier, you think he should be removed because he's old and has a health condition? Is that what I heard you say? That is not what you heard me say, actually. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I'm just joking with you, man. Don't be sensitive there. Well, no, but uh, but that's a, seriously that's a making a statement like that is a pretty and sit, like if I were to if I actually said that that's a pretty damning thing to say about any individual and so to accuse me of saying that I have to be very emphatically clear that what I said was I absolutely applaud Dick Vitale in all areas of his contribution to basketball and broadcasting and consider him one of the absolute unquestioned greatest to ever do it and I am thrilled at the level of commitment that he has shown not only towards his own health but also in helping other people overcome such areas but that at the same time just inevitably as happens that it that what happens with anybody you lose your fastball and so it would be fair for him to start considering for someone else to have the opportunity hey hey, it was it wasn't an accusation it was a joke sorry it didn't go over well 
Hey, so I'll go. I'll go to the next comment that maybe we'll go over a little better from the Colts fan perspective. I, I just don't see how fans could be any more disinterested or put off than what they are. We've been here and done that with the Ballard era. We know how great that went over with McDaniel's. It just it couldn't be any worse for what's going on. As you guys talked about earlier, the dysfunctionality within the Colts front office, the lack of confidence that we have, all the things you said about losing out on good coaching staff candidates, everything else. So I had season tickets in the past. I had to give them up due to finances. I was going to get season tickets again, but I will not be because of the lack of confidence, the lack of excitement. I mean, we're in a rebuild. If you look at all the general managers across the NFL and you say they've been with this organization for X, Y, Z years and here's what they've produced, Bauer's got to have one of the worst rankings in the league. And so the fact that they kept them, him immediately turned me off and things have only got worse since So then. let me ask Thanks, you this, Bowers. George, because I, I, I yeah. respect where you're coming from as a, as a Colts fan, right? So I want I want to... Because I asked this earlier, and I am genuinely curious. There's kind of the balance, right, George, between they've got to do their due diligence. They probably there's really no ceiling or cap on what their time frame is. But as a fan, do you feel like the length of time the Colts have taken in this coaching search? Do you lean it towards a? I feel good because they're being very thorough, or B? This is becoming a little bit ridiculous, and at this point, it looks dysfunctional. Well, I think I think it is ridiculous. It does look dysfunctional, and this isn't the first thing that's looked dysfunctional with, with this group. I will also say the other thing, and you know, being fair, you wonder if part of them stringing it out like this and doing so many candidates because Ursay got so much flack when he hired Saturday from lack of coaching experience to the Rooney Rule. You wonder if part of this is intentional too, so he can bring in candidates of diversity in different backgrounds so he doesn't get that criticism that he got the first time around. But no matter how you do it, no matter how you defend it, we, again, look like the laughing stock of the NFL due to our owner and general manager. Thanks, George. Appreciate it, George. Um, you know, again, I think there's a lot of the organizational dysfunction comment. A lot of it stems from, if anything smells like dysfunction, immediately people are going to think it's dysfunctional. And, and the Colts have painted themselves you know, into that that corner of um, that's just how people are going to react to it. Where right it now. will look dysfunctional, Kevin, and I, I'm not saying this is going to be the case. Where it will look dysfunctional, and where the Colts will have egg on their face, is if they go through this very long process, very thorough process, and do multiple interviews of multiple candidates all the way through, while announcing each one as it happens. Which they've stopped doing, by the way. And then hire someone completely out of left field. Would that be Jeff Saturday? Saturday, at least they have said, they've been up front about, you know, here. if all of a sudden, I, yeah, Jim Harbaugh, if they hire somebody completely, it's like, well, wait a minute, what were we doing here? Now, Harbaugh, I think people would see it as a home run hire, but you get what I'm saying. Like, the, this process... The reality is that fan perception and reality are never necessarily completely aligned with one another. But the reality is that whoever the Colts hire, we won't truly know anything about it for a year or two. If they if they go out and they decide that they're going to hire, I'm literally if they come out and they say we've done this whole process, and after all of it, we are going to hire Quincy Clark. 
Quincy Clark's been a heck of a coach in the CYO leagues, and we liked what he did at Chatard, and Quincy Clark's our guy. I mean, there would be a revolt, right? But if the Colts go to the AFC title game in two years, it's like, you know what? That was a brilliant hire. Who cares about how – people will instantly forget about how long it took because they're having a parade for Quincy Clark, right? So whoever it is, it's going to come down to – you're going to have – you got to win a – Sure. It's it's a results business. I mean, look right? at Sirianni in Philly. Just got absolutely roasted for his opening press Correct. conference. That's a that perfect was how example. He was viewed for six months, and then all of a sudden, the Eagles and, and they had a slowish start to his first season. And then he gave up play calling duties to Shane Steichen. They totally turned it around. They make the playoffs last year, and now he's coaching the final game of the season. There's kind of you know, there's a lot of storylines you can look at for Sunday. It's ironic in a way that Andy Reid took the job in Kansas City. Nick Sirianni was on that Kansas City staff, did not retain Nick Sirianni. Sirianni goes to the Chargers, where he works under Frank Reich, and now here they are a decade later meeting in the Super Bowl. Um, and my issue is less of splash higher excitement. My issue more of are you losing quality candidates? Because, Jake, I think if I mean, you're going to hire that's a Wake Martindale, if you're going to hire an Aaron Glenn, if you are going to go a little bit, if you aren't going to go the offensive route, there's all these offensive coordinator positions open right now. And as they continue to get filled up around the NFL, are you missing out on that? Because to me, that hire is so critically important when you consider the future of that position, when you consider the likelihood that you draft a young quarterback. I am not this person that's like standing on a table saying you have to hire an offensive coach, but the longer you wait and the more offensive coordinator spots get filled around the league, if you don't go offensive head coach, what does that side of the ball look like for you? The That's longer the it goes, Kevin, does it in, in in any way, shape, or form lead you to believe that they've already made their decision and it's somebody that's coaching in the Super Bowl? I mean, that would seem to that would that's the reason why I said to you earlier I would like for someone to ask Shane Steichen about that today at Super Bowl Media Day. Um, I don't know if Steichen's going to be totally honest on it, and I don't know if you know the Colts have told him that, but you would think that information would leak this week. Yeah. I mean, although the NFL by design doesn't want it to, right? Yeah, but again, a little bit of a leak here because you you don't need to have, obviously you wouldn't have Shane Steichen's press conference this week. He's out in Arizona. He's getting ready for the game, but um, that would be a question that I'd have. Bob Kravitz in 15 minutes, Miller Cop at 9.30. Kevin Query in the sun. This is like six straight shows we've had the sun out. Heck yeah. I'm banging on the glass in here, Alex. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Excited. Jake, look back on Saturday. Um, We mentioned, obviously, Purdue, the turnovers, the foul shooting. If you're Indiana, you could look at it and say, man, we only hit four threes and Trace doesn't score in the final 10 minutes of the game and we still won. Yeah. You know, like, I thought it would take a Bates having 16 off the bench, Malik Renew 12 and 8, you know, something like that, and they didn't even get that. I mean, they got some nice contributions, but they didn't have the finesse from last year. They didn't hit 10 threes inside of Assembly Hall. Hood Shafino made some pretty big plays down the stretch, though. But that's... A little bit to be expected. I mean, he is a heralded freshman. Like, he is one of your lead guys. I thought it would take this kind of outside, out-of-the-ordinary sort of performance. I mean, Hood Shafino 
did that against North Carolina earlier this season. He's obviously had ups and downs, but I think that's where if you're an Indiana fan, you even leave encouraged and thinking, we didn't career it for 40 minutes. We played really good, but it's not like they went 10 of 20 from three. It was the first trip in that series, obviously, for Purdue's freshman guards, and they didn't play overly well. And for Indiana to sweep the Boilers and go in to get a win in West Lafayette, they are absolutely going to need Jalen hood Shafino to... He cannot afford to have the same thing happen to him when he goes for the first time on the road in the series. If he doesn't play well in Lafayette, it could be ugly. But it was a great performance for Indiana. It was a great atmosphere. Everything about it was exactly what it was billed to be. Yeah, tremendous. I thought it rivaled some Kentucky action there back in... 2011. Bob Kravitz going to join us in a few. Miller Cop at 9.30. The Bob Kravitz story, this is pretty wild, Jake. Um. So here's my understanding of what took place. For those that are unfamiliar, we're going to talk to Bob about this. So we know about the situation where John Morant had his father and friends, family, whatever it may be, get into an altercation with Shannon Sharp a few weeks ago. Then the Pacers were playing in Memphis. And of all people, I believe Andrew Nimhard got into some sort Correct. of yeah. like an altercation with John Morant on the floor. I think it was Chris Duarte. Andrew Nimhard, as I understand it, is a pretty quiet and reserved guy on the floor. I watch him. He doesn't seem to talk a lot at all. But a little bit of a a scuffle ensued, and Chris Duarte, among others, came over to kind of have his back and, you know, get in the middle of it. And words were ensued with Morant's camp. I'll use that that term. And that is not the first time that John Morant's father and friends have gotten involved in situations like this. But then afterwards, apparently, or allegedly, the Pacers, was it on the bus or somewhere when they were going out towards it, that they realized there was a red laser pointer on them? Yeah, I don't know if this is in the basement of the arena, like your bus is in the basement and you just drive it out, or if this was actually outside of the arena. I think that's a big thing to kind of clarify here. But it was determined, I believe, I, I believe it was determined and not assumed but we'll have to clarify that, that the laser did come from a firearm. It's what a Pacers security guard said to Bob in the story. The NBA, um, according to Taylor Jenkins, Memphis head coach, went through a report, you know, investigated things, and they found, I don't want to misstate or misspeak here, but they didn't find any wrongdoing, I guess is the phrase you would use. However... They suspended his John Morant's brother from attending games, correct? Yeah, Ja tweeted last night that his brother cannot go to any more home games the rest of the season. For what it's worth, Indiana and Memphis will not play each other again this season. They've already had their John Morant's two previous tweet had the fo- said the following. First off, Taylor Jenkins made comments on the report, and that was tweeted out. John Morant responded to that tweet with the following, quote, Did a investigation seen they were capping? Still let a article come out to paint this negative image on me and my fam. 
and banned my brother from home games for a year. Period. Unbelievable. John Moran did not play last night due to injury. Um, Rick Carlisle, Miles Turner, Tyrese Halliburton, they all were asked about it after the game. Carlisle said he wasn't there. Um, Turner said he wasn't there. Halliburton said he wasn't there either. So I don't. it's not like the entire Pacers traveling party witnessed this or was there. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll talk more with Bob Kravitz about this coming up here in a few. Interesting story for certain. I you know again with John Morant, unbelievable player and just a human highlight reel. I mean, he is a fabulous, fabulous basketball player. I have always said it is something fascinating when a guy becomes that a superstar that quickly. Because he was a guy that was basically a zero-starred recruit coming out of high school, totally off the radar in college until the last year that he played, and now before our very eyes, a huge... He is a Carmel Pups player. I, I was talking about it last night. How many, how many players are there when they come into the visiting arena that 15% of the fans in the arena are wearing the jersey of that guy? He's one of them. Steph Curry's one, Giannis is one, LeBron is one, and... Who am I missing? I think John and Steph are in a group by themselves. Yeah. Right I mean, now. you know, he is a massive superstar. But sometimes that makes things difficult for guys, and they have a difficult time handling it. And I don't, I'm not saying John Morant so much, but certainly the people close to him, it looks like they might be having a hard time handling it. But we'll see what comes of it. Jim goes, you guys know I'm a UCLA fan out here in Southern California. I have to say Dick Vitale really expressed to the country the intensity of the rivalry in the crowd at Assembly Hall on Saturday, and that basketball is absolutely huge in the state of Indiana. I do think he brings that. He does. He has a great reverence and understanding of the game. And while no he might act like that when it's whatever, Indiana and Minnesota, um, I do think that aspect was really cool. And kudos to Assembly Hall and IU for honoring him at that under-four timeout there late in the game. Um, that was a cool moment. And Don Fisher honored at halftime. That's right. 50 years for Don. Bob Kravitz, join us next. Miller Cop at 930. Don Fisher. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. From Saturday on the call for Indiana, again, inside IU basketball can be heard at 7.05 this evening on this radio station. Good morning to you. It is Kevin and Query here. Jake Query along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. We've talked plenty about IU and Purdue and will continue to do so. But joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline, he is with The Athletic. He is Bob Kravitz. And Bob, we'll probably get into a little IU-Purdue here in a minute. But before we do so, let's talk about this story that we were just discussing Um involving John Morant and the Pacers. Yeah. Tell me what you learned and what the latest, if any, is on this story. Well, basically, I became aware of uh, what had happened. I guess it was Friday night and spent uh, all of Saturday kind of uh, crossing T's and dotting I's, getting in touch with the Grizzlies, getting in touch with the league, and then we felt comfortable running it. Uh, I guess it was yesterday afternoon, um, basically what happened was that, um, Pacers, uh, were congregating out by their team bus in the loading dock and they came across, uh, Devante Pack and a bunch of John Morant's guys who were 
uh, you know, screaming at them, uh, saying, hey, you want a piece of this? You know, the usual nonsense. And then uh, after John Morant came out of the locker room, they dispersed into two cars, and the car, the SUV where Morant was was uh, riding, um, a red laser emanated from that car and was aimed at Pacers players, coaches, and support staff. And the security guy for the Pacers was overheard to say, that's 100% a gun. Now, I don't know the first thing about guns, but I, after doing many research, uh, doing searches on Google, um, I, I guess there are sites that are attached to various types of firearms um, to help, you know, with aim and getting people in the crosshairs and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, the Pacers were were scared to death. They thought they were going to be held up at gunpoint. The good thing is that the car, um, which had come close to the bus, drove off. But you know, the the uh, the Pacers um, went uh, to security. Um, they they wanted the league to look into it. The league looked into it, and surprise, surprise, decided that it was no big deal. They couldn't. Um, confirm that there was a gun, etc. And so this thing will probably die um, at some point. But, uh, you know, that's, that's the Grizzlies. I mean, they've, they've built a culture over there that, um, that's uh, a little bit uh, concerning. Bob, do you know uh, what or who the Pacers players were out there at that time? I, I know Miles and Halliburton mentioned last night they were not out there. Um, you know, were any Pacers players out there? During this time? Yeah, all, all I know is it was players, coaches, and support staff, men and women. Um, I do not, we do not know specifically who was out there because there were two buses. One bus had left earlier. Uh, you know, not everybody had emerged from the locker room at that time. So we do not know exactly which players were out there. I believe James Johnson was one of them. So, Bob. The the thing that makes this interesting, aside from you know the obvious details that you mentioned, is that there is precedent for John Morant. Maybe not so much John Morant as his entourage, for lack of a better phrase, getting involved. Is is the NBA? My understanding is his brother has been told not to come back to games this year. What is the NBA's level of concern, do you believe, not necessarily in this single incident, but in trying to police that it does not happen moving forward? Yeah, it's hard to say. They were very defensive about um, about this whole thing when we reached out uh, to them. Sam Amick, uh, my colleague, reached out to the league, and they were fairly defensive before uh, issuing a statement. I think... If you're the NBA, you want this thing to just go away because, you know, the, the, the Grizzlies, for better or worse, are now, I mean, they've lost a bunch of games in a row, but they have been one of the marquee teams in the league. Certainly John Morant, who just signed a big contract, I believe, with Nike. Um, I believe it's with Nike. Um, he is clearly one of the marquee players in the league, and they do not want, uh, this kind of stuff getting out there that uh, players or 
friends of players are aiming guns at opposing teams. Um, so I, I think they would, all things considered, rather just sweep it under the rug and act like it never happened. Again, Bob Kravitz with us from The Athletic. You can find more um, in his latest that's currently up there right now on that incident. Um, shifting gears, Indiana Purdue from Saturday. Bob, what did you think was the difference in the game? I thought this. I thought the uh, the others. I thought you know everybody was looking at Edie versus Jackson Davis, but I thought that uh, Jalen Hutchifino. Uh, I'll just say, I think is the best NBA prospect uh, on the Indiana team. I think he's a first rounder eventually when he decides to go that route. But I thought Jalen Hutchifino. With 12, 12 of the 16 in the second half, I thought Galloway was real good. Cop hit a couple of shots. And Woodson said after that, uh, I thought, I, I, he thought that IU's secondary guys outplayed Purdue's secondary guys. And I think he's, he's absolutely right. Um, they got a lot of good minutes. I mean, Caleb Banks came in, played well. Malik Renew uh, gave them some good minutes. So I thought it was the guys other than Trace Jackson Davis and Zach Eady. Yeah, I would I would totally agree, Bob, regarding Jalen Hood Shafino. You know, Matt Painter after the game kind of made a, a comment about mock drafts essentially mocking them, which I totally get, right? But at the same time, I still look at him as a barometer and Jalen Hood Shafino, it took a while, but now his name is starting to surface on those like in the mid-20s, and I think that's probably yeah. the late end. I mean, I think he can improve from there, and I would be oh, yeah. stunned if he doesn't come out this year. Would you? Yeah, I mean, look, if you're if you're a first-round pick, I, I've always felt that unless you have a burning desire to continue your education or you can, or you can help yourself significantly, uh, it's probably best to come out. I do not know his, his family's financial situation, so you know that always that always uh, um, has an impact on what guys decide to do. But you're right. Uh, I looked at mock drafts and I saw him in the mid twenties. And quite frankly, I did I did not know until I talked with uh, some NBA folks that Huchifino is that highly regarded. But he is, and he's played really, really well. Still, too many turnovers. He had that one horrible one for fourteen game against Maryland. But he's been really good since, especially since Xavier went out. Yeah, he was huge late with Trace not scoring the final ten minutes. Jalen Huchifino, big time for Indiana again. Bob Kravitz with us from the Athletic. Bob, I asked this to Jake earlier, and I'll ask it to you now. You feel more confident right now in Purdue making the Elite Eight or Indiana making the Sweet Sixteen? Um, I you know it's funny I. I'm pretty bullish on both guys. I mean, I really am. Um, you know, the thing that scares me about Purdue is what happens if Zach gets in foul trouble. Now, it has not been a problem this year, um, but, I, you know, he doesn't have Trabion sitting on the bench waiting for him. I mean, Kaufman Wren is going to be a player, but I don't know that he's developed to that point. Um, um I think I think IU taking the Sweet Sixteen is probably a safer bet. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a really there's a one less question. variable yeah. within with Indiana. You know, it takes one less game for Indiana to make the Sweet Sixteen. 
therefore, if it's a draw, you go with that, right? Because it's one less right. variable. Exactly. Exactly. That's a great question. And again, I'm, I come on here for column ideas, so you know, <laughs> that's right. It has and, nothing and, to do with you, with you guys. I just come on for column ideas. Well, yeah, we all got to be selfish in this world. Um, exactly. Jake and I were talking earlier. I mean, I think both fan bases exit Saturday. Of course, Purdue's feeling you know, good. Yeah, of course, Purdue wanted to win the game, but I mean, there were a lot of reasons why foul foul shooting turnovers that you don't expect that to be the norm for for Purdue and Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer are going five of twenty. Like I think both fan bases exit Saturday just continuing to feel very encouraged. Agree completely. I mean, if I from Purdue, I look at the way they played in the second half. I mean, that first half was really out of character. Uh, 11 turnovers for a team that averages 10.9 turnovers per game. And they had 11 in the first half. They're 10, 10 or 17th in the free throw line, including Braden Smith, who I believe was 204. So I, I thought that there was a lot, a, a lot that was out of character for Purdue in that first half. But I thought the way they played um, and toughed it out in the second half. And they, they got beat by one or two possessions in the end. Uh, in an impossible place to win, generally speaking. So, yeah, if I'm, uh, I'm feeling good if I'm both teams. You know, IU now six out of seven. Purdue falls all the way to twenty-two and two. They'll both be fine. Bob, you have obviously you've been to Vegas, right? Not that often, but uh, yeah, on occasion. Okay. So you go to Vegas. Let's say your wife just decides she wants to go somewhere and lay by the pool and enjoy nice weather. So you go to Vegas. While you're there, they have a they have a special offer. You get to ten bucks. You get to buy. You have to pull out of a hat a name of coaches that has been interviewed at least twice by the Colts. And if you pull out the one that ends up getting the head coaching job, you win a grand. Okay. Okay. So. I'm going to give you a list of names, and I want you then to tell me which one you would be the most excited that you drew, and which one you would be the least excited because you'd tell your wife you just wasted ten bucks. The names that you draw out, you have the choices: Raheem Morris, Jeff Saturday, Aaron Glenn, Jim Harbaugh, Brian Callahan, Eric Bieniemy, Mike Kafka, Shane Steichen, Rick, uh, Rich Bastasia. Wink Martindale, Bubba Ventrone. Which of those would you say, I just wasted my money, and which one would you be the most confident you're going to win? Well, I'd be most uh, disappointed if I got Jeff Saturday. I mean, with with all due respect, I mean, I like the man a lot, but he's not a head coach in this league. Uh, I would be but most do you excited. think the Colts think that? Do you think he's out? Yeah, I, I, I do not think that in the long run that his name will be pulled out of the hat by Jim Irsen. I I don't have a ton of inside information, but the way this thing is proceeding, I do not think that Jeff Saturday is the guy. Um, I'd be most excited. I'll give you three names uh, since that's I know it's cheating, but I like Raheem Morris because I very much like I like guys who've done it before. Um, at the same time. They really need a quarterback whisperer. And toward that end, I think you're looking at Steichen and Callahan. And uh, Peyton is a big Callahan supporter. Um, So, you know, whatever that means. But uh, those are the two guys because they're going to start over with a new quarterback. And I want somebody uh, who's got a, a history, a personal history of developing young quarterbacks as both those guys have. 
Again, Bob Kravitz with us here. Bob, looking ahead to Thursday's trade deadline for the Pacers. Obviously, the big news last week, Miles Turner related. You expect right. anything of substance for the Pacers on Thursday? I think there'll be some minor around the edges type deals. Um, maybe get themselves a, a few more, uh, a little more, uh, a few more assets, maybe in the draft. But I think it'll be minor. I, you know, once. Uh, you know, I guess it's possible they they move Buddy. They're, once again, they find themselves in a really weird spot where they're just good enough to be on the edge of the play-in tournament, but they're not good enough to do anything. So I would I would think that you'd rather be a seller than a buyer at this point. I tend to think they're going to do very, very little and just kind of tinker around the edges. That's the sense I get from talking to people down uh, down there. Do we, um, I guess, last thing, are we waiting for anything more on the John Morant front? Like you said the NBA has responded, but pretty much Memphis has responded. Is there any kind of lingering things we should be on the lookout for? No, I don't think so. I think the, you know, the NBA has uh, really tried to sweep this under the rug. I can see stories coming about Memphis culture. You know, a lot of stuff has happened, um, you know, uh, with, with, you know, on the court and off the court. Um, you know, you know, what, you know, I'm showing my age again, but you know what this John Morant thing reminds me of is early days of Allen Iverson. You know, Allen surrounded himself with some less than savory folks. Not that Allen was, you know, pure as a driven snow either, but, uh, that that's what this reminds me of a little bit. I don't know what Jaws' issue is. Uh, he had a tweet about hollows, you know, like hollow point bullets. You know, uh, where that comes from, I have no idea. I don't know if he's a fake tough guy or whatever. But I, I think there are stories down the road on the Memphis culture and what's happening there. Um, but as far as this particular incident, I think this is probably a done deal. I think um, the Pacers uh, you know, got what they wanted out of this, which is to tell people, hey, we really uh, felt threatened, and we're sick and tired of the league doing nothing about this, about this culture they have in Memphis. Interesting. Uh, you know, heck of a player, Bob, and, and I was telling Kevin earlier, I – I think the world John Morant as a basketball player, he's an unbelievable talent. He's fun to watch. But uh, I'm always, and I'm not saying this is the case here, but whenever you get a guy that goes from being somebody that hardly anybody's ever heard of to being one of the most famous athletes on the planet in the course of like six years, you never know which way it's going to go. You know what I mean? Just understanding how to handle all of that kind of stuff. Well, you know, you're 20 years old or whatever he is, and you suddenly got $200 million, and you've got, you've got buddies and people and hangers-on uh, who maybe you grew up with. You want to continue to take care of them, and that's good. God bless them. But don't go down those bad roads, man. Uh, you know, it, it, can't, it can't possibly end well for John Morant. And uh, you would hope that there would be some sort of intervention, whether it's by the Memphis organization or by the NBA, you know, by Adam Silver, saying, hey, this nonsense has got to stop. And it's not just him. I mean, it's Dylan Brooks. 
hitting uh, Spite and Mitchell in the in the Nuggets the other day. Um, this kind of you know, and the thing with Shannon Sharp. So I mean, there's a pattern of misbehavior with the Memphis Grizzlies that's really concerning. Again, Bob Kravitz, he brings his insight. I guess we throw a couple column ideas his way. You do. I always appreciate it. Yes, it becomes a weekly Monday segment for us. Thank you, Bob. All right, thank you, guys. Bob Kravitz right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Again, the Pacers, nothing until Wednesday in Miami. Wednesday, trade deadline Thursday. Phoenix and Washington in a back-to-back Friday, Saturday. And then two games next week before the all-star break. John Morant is insanely talented. There's no doubt. No, about incredible. That. No doubt about that. Uh, time, by the way, for a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Miller Cop going to join us just about 20 minutes from now, or 10 minutes from now, I guess I should say. It's 20 minutes after the hour. He's going to join us at the bottom of the hour. Indiana, the win over Purdue, 79-74 at Assembly Hall on Saturday. Hoosiers now, 16-7, 7-5 in the Big Ten. They are next at home against Rutgers. That's tomorrow night. Purdue, on the other hand, waits till Thursday for Iowa. Uh, but, Kevin, pretty good one down there at Assembly Hall. It was. Huge first half, 50 in the first half from Indiana. They held on from there. Jalen hood Shafino made some big plays late. Uh, here was Mike Woodson afterwards on the 79-74 victory. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. Well, again, you're not the number one team in the, in, in the country and not be able to make runs. And I thought we played extremely well the first half. I mean, from the start to the end of that half, boy, our defense was really, really good. And, you know, I, I thought we got a little stagnant the second half, and their defense picked up, and, and we didn't have a lot of answers for Big Edie the second half. I mean, he kind of had his way, but he's, you know, he's – He's a big load, man, for any team. And I thought for the most part we battled him and then we made the plays that we needed to make coming home. Matt Painter's biggest fear entering Saturday was how his young guards had handled that environment knowing the turnover issues they had inside of Assembly Hall last year. That showed up again. 16 for the game, 10 of 17 from the foul line. That pretty much told the story. We really talked about how they pressured and got into you last year here. We had 10 turnovers in the first half here last year. Then we came back and actually took the lead in the game, and then they made that shot at the end. But we just said, like, you know, we can't repeat that. You know, let somebody beat you a different way. Like, you know, keep giving yourselves a chance and take care of the basketball. And So when you have 11 turnovers in the first half and the game before, you had seven for the whole game, you know. You know, it just hurts you. But, you know, our guys were resilient. They, they battled back, but, you know, not good enough. Jake mentioned this a little bit earlier. Zach Eady got that first foul kind of on that crazy play. Two seconds ago on the shot clock. Purdue's throwing it three-quarter court. And Painter took him out right after that. And that point, still kind of back and forth early in the game. And that was that initial jolt that I felt like Indiana got. He goes to bench. Purdue has some sloppy possessions after that. Indiana builds that lead. The run ended up being a 10-0 run, and it seemed like from then on, IU was up double digits the rest of the first half. took a while to get Zach Eady going. Once they did, then things turned, and you saw how virtually unstoppable he was. On the other side, Trace Jackson Davis going early, and then towards the end of the game, you know Indiana starts getting play elsewhere. That was the difference. As Bob had mentioned, Indiana's secondary players versus Purdue's. 
Uh, NBA last night, it was Cleveland 122-103 over the Pacers. Pacers really never in that game. Uh, Darius Garland, 24. Isaac Okoro had 24. Cleveland Donovan Mitchell with 19. He was scoreless, I think, through the first quarter. Miles Turner did have 27-10 and 10 for Indiana. That is the end of a homestand for the Pacers. They are in Miami on Wednesday to take on the Heat. Always good when you have the early February trip to Miami, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, the Pacers I think any time, right? did beat Sacramento on Friday, 107-104, so finally ending that skid. Buddy Heald had 21 against his former team. Pacers did not score in the final three minutes of that game. It's one of those odd finishes where usually I feel like an NBA game's late. You're waiting for a whistle, timeout, timeout, you know, advance the ball, advance the ball. Don't think there was a whistle in the final, like, minute 30 of that game, but the Pacers beat Sacramento there on Friday. All right, we come back. Miller Cop is going to join us here. Uh, Fifth-year player, college basketball, a couple big threes for Indiana on Saturday and a big steal late. He joins us next here. Kevin Aquay. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You are listening to Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. All right, let's head right away to the Payless Slickers hotline. He's on it on this Monday morning. He is Miller Cop. After the Indian Hoosiers get the win over the number one ranked Purdue Boilermakers on Saturday, Miller joins us now. Good morning, Miller. Thanks for the time. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. What does, I'm curious about this, what does a Monday look like for someone that's been in college for as long as you have? <laughs> well, right now I'm outside walking my dog. Um, I'm all online right now, which is uh, actually really nice because um, I look at it this way. I feel like I've paid my dues in the classroom. Sure. And um, get, I will be getting my degree, so it's basically school basketball right now and it's it's uh pretty simple and pretty picking simple up life. dog and picking up dog poop i assume yeah, l- yeah later today actually after practice okay i have a really weird question miller when it comes to I, i've thought about this with the transfer portal for example you played three years at northwestern correct yep yes sir so i'm gonna guess that when you left northwestern you probably had accumulated somewhere around i don't know 90 hours maybe 95 credit hours at northwestern is that right probably yeah i mean i was i was ahead in in my three years okay so then how does it work in terms of when you transfer and i know this has nothing to do with basketball and i apologize for that but northwestern is an elite academic institution not that indiana is not but how does it work in terms of the hours that transfer and then as a graduate, do you still graduate from Northwestern? I mean, obviously you're finishing at Indiana and so many hours have to be with Indiana University. Take me through it. Well, so I did not graduate at Northwestern in three years. So I was there for three years, was very close. You know, I was a couple, really a couple classes away from, from being able to graduate in three years, but it just didn't happen. But they're on the quarter system. So their classes... Um, you know, the classes are, you know, a lot faster and, um, uh, just because there's more of them throughout the year. And so that I think was the biggest, um, thing when transitioning from, you know, there to Indiana is that the hours 
didn't exactly line up because I had to take, you know, a X amount of classes at uh, Northwestern and significantly less more or less classes at Indiana because they're on the semester schedule. And so that kind of the hours kind of some things didn't transfer because I didn't have enough and I'm not a pro at it, but our academic advisors, you know, you know, Lorian Price make sure we're all good with that stuff. So it uh it all worked out. And Miller, what's the dog's name? Dog's name's Ivy. Ivy Y. Okay. Miller and Ivy joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hot. What, what kind of dog is Ivy? Boxer dog, one year old. The best. Boxers are the best. Look at that. Um, Let's go back to Saturday. Obviously, the first half speaks for itself. You guys putting up fifty, a couple big ones from you in that first half. Um, What did you think the difference was in kind of setting the tone, building that double digit lead that you guys played with throughout? Well, I think a big thing was was our pressure on the ball. You know, the thing with with you know Edie is you're not going to stop. You're really not going to stop him. He's going to he's going to score. That's kind of what we we talked about going into the game. It's like he's going to score some, and uh, you know we just have to make it as hard on the other guards as you know we possibly can. So you know that's you know pushing their catches out, making them play as far away from the basket as possible, and uh, you know really making the post entry passes tough to give Trace a little more time to try to you know just root you know, big Edie out. So that that was a huge thing for us. And then offensively, it's like, you know, we feel like we're at our best when we're, we're out in transition running and, you know, getting dunks and, and early threes and stuff. So that was really the biggest thing, stops and then run. You had a huge steal there about five minutes ago. It was one of those times Purdue had a chance to potentially tie or take the lead. You were kind of digging down on Edie and got your hands in there. I Obviously, you're not guarding him one-on-one, but how do you describe what it's like just to see his presence and have to deal with that out there? Oh, man, it's, it's you know, there's no one else in college basketball like him. You know, he's he's huge, but he's also so, he, he's really skilled. You know, his touch around the rim has gotten so much better since last year. You know, he knows where he catches it, you know, whether he, even have, whether he has to dribble or not, which is, you know, really hard for defenses and, and doubling. You know, in the second half, when he got some, you know, his uh, a couple straight, you know, we we couldn't double because he just went straight up. He didn't even dribble. So, um, you know, it's it's uh, uh, one of those things where you just try to make it as hard as you possibly can on him. You know what's interesting to me, Miller? I, I'm going to be completely frank with you. I don't think I'm going to tell you anything that's going to shock you here, right? Yeah. My buddies, you know, I went to IU, so I've got friends that are diehard IU fans. And they'll watch a game, and you know if it's one of those games where you're not necessarily getting looks or your shot is not falling, mm-hmm. then you always hear the Miller cop is not hitting threes. Why is he out there? Right. That's always yeah. the, the the knock that comes with a three point shooter. Uh-huh. Um, your minutes are such that it is very clear to me, and you tell me if you disagree, that your role and what you bring and what Mike Woodson expects of you goes beyond just being a guy that hangs around the three-point line to hit a few shots. Oh, absolutely. What is your uh, role that, that those of us who are not at practice don't understand? Um, you know, my role is something that, that you know, has to, uh, you know, be applied every single day, um, you know, at practice and lifts. Um, you know, I'm a guy who's been around the game for so long, you know, in college and, and also with Coach Woody here for his second year, it's like, you know, I know, I know everything that, that he expects. You know, I've played, you know, every team in the Big Ten. 
a lot of times. I know it, you know, they run the same things every year. The coaches run the same things every year. You know, a lot of the same players, you know, the guys I've played against are the same dudes and have the same tendencies. And, um, you know, so really my role, my job on this team is to, yes, make shots. You know, it, it's, you know, if I have an open shot, I got to make it. And, you know, I feel like I've been been doing that, you know, when, when the opportunities present itself. You know, no, I'm not, you know, out there getting plays run for me. And I understand that because we got, you know, two pros, all American on our team. And, you know, we've we've had success on offense like that. So, um, you know, the other things that I do and, and are expected to do is, you know, know where everybody's supposed to be at. Kind of be like a, a quarterback on defense. Um, you know, always talking, always yelling, always communicating. And, uh, you know, making sure everybody's in the right spot. And just being a leader out there, you know, you know, every team kind of needs a guy that, um, you know, just just you know holds people together, holds people accountable, and, and you know expects the highest of everybody on the team. And so, for me, you know, that's you know obviously it never shows up on the box score, or ne- it never, you know, it, it, it's is really talked about. But you know, the guys on the team and and the coaches, I truly believe, you know, believe in that and believe in my role. And the importance in it, or else, shoot, I wouldn't be playing. When I played basketball, there were always there were always like a couple of guys on the team that you just kind of felt like everything was going to be all right so long as they were around. They just had like a very clear composure and understanding of what was needed game in and game out, and it, it created a calming influence in the locker room. And a lot of times, those are not guys that were your star players. For Indiana, I think people would naturally assume that we're talking about Trace Jackson Davis or Jalen hood Shafino. But yep. my question for you, Miller Cop, is give me an Indiana teammate that provides that kind of a stability within your locker room that maybe doesn't get the headlines of the others. Um, you know what I'll say is... I would say Anthony Leal. And, and it's one of those that, you know, I've got so much respect for him and the way he works and the way he you know, approaches every day. And it's easy for, you know, it'd be easy for a guy like Anthony, and I don't want to speak for him, but I, I just, I, I, I've you know, spoken with him and, you know, we're really close. But it'd be easy for, a guy like Anthony to be pissed off, you know, he's not playing or, or upset and not work as hard or um, do whatever. But he is he is a grinder, you know. He is somebody on the team who who leads by example on the court every single day. So it's it's um, you know something where you know he knows oftentimes the scout better than you know probably anybody on the team, you know, because he's he's you know in there working with the scout team. You know, because so he can learn the, the opposing uh, team's offense better, and so stuff like that. It's like you you look at him and go, man, like this dude's working his tail off. You know, not seeing the results right now, but you know, it's just something that you have to respect as a as a player and as a man. He's played 145 career games. Miller Cop is with us right now. And Ivy, I should mention, one-year-old That's boxer right. Ivy also with us here. Uh, Miller, the court storm happens, and your thoughts are what? Are you, oh, man, i got to go celebrate. i got to go shake hands. I've got to run to the locker room so I don't get trampled. What are your, what are your thoughts? 
Well, I, you know, I was thinking, number one, I didn't even, you know, wasn't expecting a core storm at all. Um, you know, we expected the win. We went into the game, you know, 100% believing that we were going to come out with a win no matter what. And so that was our thinking, you know, for, with that. And so after the game, they started storming the court. I didn't even realize it until I looked and, you know, half the court was already filled up and then, you know, people were shoving their phones in my face and I'm like, you know, I just wanted to get out of there, to be honest with you, <laughs> and, and celebrate it with the team. So um, it, it, it was cool, but at the same time, you know, that's what we expected to do. So when you were at Northwestern, you're on the north side of Chicago, did you ever catch any Cubs games? I went to, we, we went to a couple of the teams. And they were pretty sweet in the summer and springtime. Because you grew up in Houston, right? Are you an Astros fan? I am an Astros fan, but I'm not. I didn't grow up. You know, I grew up. Uh, both my parents were from Pittsburgh, so I wasn't. You know, okay. that hard Astros fan. So but I, I definitely want them to succeed. I'm trying to figure out the origin of the name Ivy. My first thought was perhaps the Ivy of Wrigley Field. Then I thought maybe it's <laughs> that Northwestern is darn near an Ivy League school. And then my safest, which is you have a girlfriend that named the dog Ivy. <laughs> no, I'm single as can be, but, um, and, you know, very, very good answers, um, but all wrong. You know, actually, I was up when I was driving to go pick up, you know, Ivy last year after our season ended. I was listening to a, uh, a tape about training dogs, and they were like, yeah, good names are ones that are like one syllable and this and that. And then I just thought of Ivy, and the boom, that was it. There you go. Wow. Okay. Gosh, you are. Ivy's lucky to have you um, guiding uh, him around. Um, <laughs> Miller, we'll end with this. The best best pizza in Bloomington is where? Oh, man. And be oh, careful no. for your NIL, you know. You know you... Yeah, I don't want to give out any free ads. Yeah. You know? <laughs> to be honest. You know what I will say? I think the best coffee in Bloomington is Inkwell. Wow, best I'll say coffee. That. You have been in college a while. If you're going with the best coffee here in <laughs> I know, right? By the way, what is your major? I am a liberal studies major with minor in sociology. So you would like to be doing what when your basketball playing days are over? Oh, man, that's a loaded question. Uh, something I've been thinking about a, a, a little bit here and there, but, um, you know, I have no idea. You know, something, maybe something in media, maybe something in you know, television, maybe something, um, you know, um, I, you know, I, I have no clue at all. So I'll check check with you in a couple of years. Uh, how about the best restaurant in Bloomington? Best restaurant? Uh, well, my favorite, my favorite, I've got to say, is um, that's one of our team favorites. Maybe not my favorite, but just for, just for the team, Viva Moss. Mexican hmm. restaurant. These are two Just answers. Good energy in there. That's all. Just good energy. Hey, there was some great energy Saturday. Thanks to you boys and that victory, 79-74. Quick turnaround with Rutgers coming in tomorrow night. Miller, enjoy the walk on this Monday morning, and I uh, really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Y'all have a good one. That's Miller Cop right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I bet it's good to be Miller Cop. Uh, life's got to be good for uh, Miller Cop. I would think after that victory, life's got to be good for yeah. single Miller Cop. Yeah, exactly. He, he was very clear about that. Uh, yes, very clear. <laughs> Inkwell. I've not heard of Inkwell. Well, they get good coffee, apparently. Just off Kirkwood. I'm looking at it right now. I used When's the last time you used a fountain pen and needed an Inkwell? I used to live in this. Well, I, I'm kind of a stickler with pens. I'm struggling with this one right now. It's just. I'm a really big fan fine. of the fountain pen. Now, that one's got some decent ink to it. 
I can tell you about Waterman fountain pens. I can tell you about Pelican fountain pens. I can tell you about Mont Blanc fountain pens. I can tell you about Schaefer fountain pens. Are you saying if the show goes under, you're going to be selling pens? I don't know if you know this or not, but I am a fountain pen, rollerball, and ballpoint pen aficionado. Thank you to Miller Cop. Thank you to IU for setting that up. Uh, Pop quiz time? Mm -hmm. 317-239-1070. Postpone it a little bit. Uh, Pop quiz coming up next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Next. All right, Jake, a little delayed pop quiz. Miller Cop Bob Kravitz. That'll be up on the podcast. It's like a little bit of everything on this uh, pop quiz. I'm having to pull up the pop quiz as we speak here. Uh, Mark, we got people on the line? That we do. All right. I haven't really talked much about number one. A little NBA, a little NHL flavor. And some... Um, what do you think is the most obscure NHL franchise? franchise? What's the NHL franchise that you hear the least about? Coyotes. Winnipeg Jets is way up there. Phoenix Coyotes is way up there. The Atlanta Thrashers left, right? Phoenix Coyotes are in the news always because they're for okay. sale all the time. What about the Carolina Hurricanes? No, they're pretty Didn't good. Did they get on a run? They're pretty recently? good right now. I, I've been to a Coyotes game. They were playing the Penguins. It was just all Sidney Crosby fans there. <laughs> <laughs> you had I the thought, Scottsdale Pups wearing Sidney Crosby right. jerseys. At that's that right. Game. Um, all right, Jake, number one through eight. Uh, we will go with number four. Number four is who, Mark Dykton? Jay. Jay. Hello. Jay, good morning. Morning. You're going to be a favorite uh, of Jake's because he loves Jay Edwards. All right. He was quite a player. He was. I'm a Kraken fan, by the way. So. Oh. Oh, well, that's kind of. A, how, now, how did you become a. They've got a great logo. Seattle Kraken fan. Um, our oldest daughter moved to Seattle, and I. Went and visited her last year. So uh, let me first tell you time something. in Seattle, so I became a Kraken fan. Absolutely gorgeous city. It might be the in the between what, like, say April to August. It might be the prettiest city in the country, right? Right. I was blown away. We were in uh, late April, and it was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, my wife's cousin lives out there. We visited her a couple of years ago. It was awesome. Uh, we did the Pikes Place and everything. It, it, it was a great time. Loved it. Go back in a heartbeat. Um, the Seattle Kraken, are they good? Uh, playing well this year, yes. Winning record. All right. Wow, Jay, you have really adopted them. <laughs> I like that. I don't like the color that. scheme they went with, but Kraken's pretty cool. Uh, by the way, the yeah, Phoenix Coyotes right. used to be the Winnipeg Jets, and then the Winnipeg Jets, uh, were they needed to get them back, so they got Atlanta to move to... Winnipeg and become the Jets again. And the Phoenix Coyotes now the Arizona Coyotes. That's right. I did. Are they really? Yeah, I did think okay. they had changed it. All right, Jay, would you like for me, that would be Jake, to lead you off with question number one, or would you like for Kevin to lead you off? Go ahead, Jake. Okay, question number one for you. Uh, who won the, quote, Pro Bowl games over the weekend? This is multiple choice. Would that be the AFC or the NFC? Don't go in alphabetical order. NFC. Yeah, a happy younger brother with that one and Eli Manning. Number two, Jay, Kyrie Irving was traded from the Nets to the Mavericks over the weekend. Irving was selected as a starter for the All-Star game last week. Who was the last All-Star starter to play for another team that season? 
A. Irving, B. Russell Westbrook, C. Carmelo Anthony, or D. James Harden? Wow. This guy's got a smooth game. Think candy bar. Carmelo. Carmelo. Okay. Uh, question number three. Congratulations to Pacers guard Buddy Heald, who in Friday's win over the Kings became the first NBA player this season to reach 200 made three-pointers. He is just the fifth player in league history to hit at least 200 threes and at least five straight seasons. Of the following, which player did not make 200 threes in five straight seasons? James Harden, Kyle Korver, Damian Lillard, or Clay Thompson? Uh, show's over at 10. Clay Thompson. Okay. He might be on Pacific time there for a second, waiting for his crack, and they, they had a late one last That's night. Right. Uh, number four, Jay, who won Saturday's NHL All-Star Game? Was it the Atlantic Division, the Metro Division, the Central Division, or the Pacific Division? Well, I have no clue. So Same. Let's go Metro. Okay. Last question for you. On this day in 1932, an Olympic competition in this demonstration sport took place for the first time at the Lake Placid Games. Was it speed skiing, curling, sled dog racing, or ski joring, which is water skiing on snow with horses pulling the skier? I can watch that, actually. Now, Ivy was in it, right? The boxer? Correct. Ivy participated? Uh, Ivy's offspring? Oh, wow. I'll go with the horses. Think about, think about the Iditarod. Oh, these sled dogs. Okay. All righty, here we go. The debates on Olympic sports is always wild to me. Like adding and removing. Like the whole baseball drama. Makes no sense. Are you having headset issues? That's usually me. (laughs) Yeah, no idea. All right, Jay, uh, the winner of the Pro Bowl games indeed, the NFC. That is correct. And the last all-star starter to play for another team that season was Carmelo. Let's go! Nuggets to Knicks. In 2011, number three was where that slipped up. Jay, of the following, which player did not make 200 threes in five straight seasons? He said Clay Thompson. I thought maybe injury related on that one. Uh, Harden, Damian Lillard, they've all done it. Kyle Korver, though, has not. You blew it! Good effort, Jay. Go cracking. You don't get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete loser. <laughs> right corner. Right corner. Good row. Barkley good row behind the net. In front of Sorelli. Shoot. Is it in? Score. Score. Is it in? Sorelli. Sorelli. Yep. The Lightning win it. It's over. Stanley Cup final. Here come the Lightning. That's a big hockey forced, fan. Right? Was that the NHL All-Star Game call? No, that was during the uh, the COVID year, I think, and the guy was yelling in his basement because I think he was broadcasting from there. Atlantic Division, by the way, on the All Star game, sled dog racing. Now they don't do starters anymore, like East West, right, for the NBA All Star game. Carmelo and Giannis, or uh, yeah, they LeBron and Giannis will have yeah, a draft. Yeah, they draft them. Honestly, the oh, best weird. part of the Pro Bowl when I was watching it this weekend was again Peyton and Eli mic'd up. Peyton plays that part very well. Was it well? And like it was the fun balance of 
very football nerdy stuff and play calls and them talking to the quarterbacks. Hey, I want you to you know pump this seam route, but throw the go route to Diggs. Like I, I think he's going to be open. That was kind of the fun stuff. But then also you got some pretty funny like just back and forth between guys that wanted to go in the game. Do you that. think they will continue to do? I mean, is it eventually going to be just the point where you're named to something and that's it? Yeah, I mean, Miles Garrett got hurt yesterday. I, I don't know. How do you get hurt in a flag football game? I mean, you are running. Was it Orlando Brown there? No, that's a good one. R.I.P. Right? Oh, really? Yeah. Orlando Brown. Thanks. So. Okay. He is Jake the referencing that... the official who threw the flag and hit Orlando Brown in the eye. That's right. But yeah, NFC won that. It was like a best. So they played three flag football games yesterday, and then they had a bunch of activities from the week. I don't know. It is probably teetering on that. That stadium was a lot more full than I thought it was. Agreed. Be. I thought it was the COVID year, and they're putting fake people in seats. Yeah. Boy, you remember that? You know, so awkward. I got great video yesterday of Rocky, just so you know. It's like the, the greatest thing. I, I should maybe we should put that on the website. Well drive traffic. Obviously for far different reasons, but it sounds like along with banning John ja Morant's friend, I think they've banned you now from the arena after your actions towards Rocky <laughs> yesterday. I'm telling you, he's the greatest mascot of all time. It's gotta be a busy mascot schedule. I mean, whose birthday parties do you say yes to? Whose birthday parties do you no say doubt. no to? And what's the pay? Like what do they have to pay Rocky to come in? That's some drama. Was he, did the Simon send their jet out to get Rocky? Does he deserve question. that? Did He's they pick up the full, gorilla after? Is he flying full apparel? I would. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of hard to sit with that you know, lightning bolt that would tail. be up there? But granted, you know, if you need a floating device, maybe that thing yeah, you're float right. for you. I don't know what you're talking about, though, this outfit thing. It's, you know. What? What are you talking about? The blazer mascot looks, basically, they took the Rocky costume and just painted it black and red, and that became the Blazers guy. He's he is he is exactly Rocky. Rocky's at least like a mountain lion. What is the Blazers mascot? Are you looking it up? Yeah. I'm looking How it up. old was Boomer yesterday? Uh, they said, is it thirty? He's got to be thirty, right? Started in ninety three. I think that's right. He's got to be older than that. Well, it's cat years. <laughs> now was uh, Bowser there? Bowser was not. He still lives on a farm. The hell was the Pacers Blazers Matt Blaze Blaze the Trail Cat? That's his name. Trail Cat. Okay. If you missed it, Bob Kravitz a little bit earlier, along with Miller Cop. Enjoy the conversation with Miller Cop again. I thought he made a couple important shots in the first half, and then had a huge steal late as Indiana defeated Purdue on Saturday. I like how much he wanted to emphasize that he's single. Four. He did. He did. He certainly, <laughs> he certainly did. Yeah. He sounds like he's living the life uh-huh. as he should be. I'm um, going to be an enjoyable next month or so for him. Inside IU Basketball coming up 7.05 tonight. And we'll preview IU and Rutgers tomorrow at 6.30. Everybody have a great Monday.